Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. There's nothing left for us to do Find the strength to see this through We are the ones who will never be broken With our final breath We'll fight to the death We are soldiers, we are soldiers conversation, and I do believe more people are, are waking up to uh, what conservatives have been trying to do uh, to protect our nation. And tonight is our second episode with uh, interviewing citizen candidates. Uh, we will have uh, back on our program Republican candidate Jack Lombardi, uh, so we we'll welcome him back. He's running as a Republican for the Illinois 14th District against leftist incumbent Lauren Underwood. And... As you probably know, the fight it being Illinois, just got something about checking my mic. Um, is that is that better, Kelly? Not so clear. Okay, well, I appreciate them uh, telling me about that. Just send me another message if it's not. But anyway, uh, but again, thank you very much for coming to uh, or loud enough. Okay. Uh, try this better. Uh, I think we're doing a live sound uh, test here on that. 
uh, I use this uh, this mic all the time, even at work. So hopefully it's hopefully it's uh, better here. Um, but again, we will be uh, welcoming Jack Lombardi back onto the program. Uh, he's going to be, as I stated, the 14th district against Lauren Underwood. Uh, of course, since it is in Illinois and you know around Chicago, I believe uh, it is going to be a tough fight. Now it could be. Uh, because of the way the country is now, uh, for them to uh, win. And I do think there's going to be a a red wave coming for that. Uh, But let's go ahead and get our callers in, our panelists tonight. Uh, We have both Joseph and Kelly. I'll open both your mics up at the same time. Our guests will not be joining us uh, until the second hour of the show, so we have time to go over some of the uh, current events uh, that we've had this uh, past week. Let's go ahead and welcome Joseph and Kelly. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh, hey, Robert. Kelly here. Uh, kind of waiting for Joseph to uh, speak. But, uh, yeah, hello. Sun's uh, going down in California right now. And uh had a beautiful day. And uh, I'm still waiting for Biden versus Missouri for that ruling to come out. That's going to be very interesting whether the court agrees that OSHA has the constitutional authority or not to force vaccine mandates in the employer-employee relationship. And Oregon is working on, and they're waiting for this court case. The state of Oregon already has the Oregon Health Aid Authority to basically uh, require it in Oregon pending the outcome of Biden versus Missouri. And they also have made incredibly sweeping broad powers in these regulations. I heard this from State House Senator Kim Thatcher. Well, Kelly's got some, uh, you don't think you got some audio uh, stuff going on too, Kelly? Okay. Maybe they're just on the broadcast, huh? I'm, I'm coming around a hill, so. I want you to turn it over to Joseph. Turn it over to Joseph. Turn it over to Joseph. You there, Joseph? Uh, absolutely there. I apologize. I walked away for a second. Did you call me first, or was I second in queue? I'm not sure. Oh, no. I, I, I basically brought you both on at the same time, actually. <laughs> oh, okay, great. Um, is that that's Kelly on the other line? Well, it is. He, has just, he was rounding okay, the bend, hey, as Kelly. he said. Uh, How's it going, Kelly? Um, uh, thank you for letting me uh, uh, have a have a turn, um, especially if you're going up the hill. Certain places don't have good uh, signal. So uh, another day, another dollar, another week in Biden's America. And uh, the 20th of uh, this month will make it one year. Uh we have supply shortages, uh, inflation at an all-time high in over 40 years. Putin is knocking on our door. China's knocking on our door. Iran is knocking on our door. And uh, North Korea is knocking on our door. And if the Dems can get more delusional and crazy, uh, they're actually implying another Hillary run in 2024. Now, I've said this many times. A lot of people say John McCain wasn't a good candidate. Jesus Christ could have been on the ballot. 
for the uh, Republicans. No one was going to beat hope and change and yes, we can. Because for eight years, the failures of George W. Bush, unfortunately, they unfairly judge the entire party. And so after eight years of George W. Bush and vaulting the entire Republican Party, which is never fair, but it's politics, um, they had enough of the uh, of the Republican reign, and they were going to hand it over to whoever was going to be on the ticket for the Democrats. So the argument that if uh, there would have been a better off candidate than uh, McCain is just nonsense. No one was going to win. And the Dems did a very masterful job in hiding a lot of uh, Obama's dirty uh, laundry when he was running in 07 and 08. Um, a lot that did surface when he finally became president and went into his second term. So, um, you know, uh, Biden uh, made a speech the other day. He was in Atlanta. Um, and he's getting more popular. I think 11 people attended versus five when he was campaigning. So that's a start. That's a start. Yeah, we can feel the uh, Build Back Better America plan. Oh, wait a minute. Joe Manchin killed that. I'm sorry. Um, and at the same time, guess who didn't show up? Because this is how toxic Biden is to the party. Another than Stacey Abrams. Hey, her and Clinton have one thing in common, Hillary. They've never conceded their loss. Oh, well. And those elections definitely were not rigged. Trust me. And then there's more crazy talk. I mean, it's like you can't make this stuff up. They're talking about Liz Cheney possibly being the VP for 2024. Now, look, I despise Liz Cheney because of her actions. But as as, as Cheney may be, she would never go that far to be on a ticket with the Democrats, period. She'd rather probably just be ousted by her own party, which is what they're doing in Wyoming, than, than do that. So now we have I, – I think, to be honest, um, Robert, I think CNN and MSNDNC, they desperately need the ratings because since Trump has been out of office, their ratings have plummeted to the bottom. So when Trump was in office, their ratings were really high. So, um, so all this crazy talk, and um, so yeah, I'll, I'll defer back to you. But I just wanted to bring up like current events that have been happening over the, a few days. I almost wanted to say, geez, you know what, Liz Cheney, don't worry, I got this. The dream ticket: Robert Jeter and Kelly, VP, Libertarian for president. How's that sound? Twenty twenty four. You never know. Yeah, well, we, we lost Kelly's call, so I imagine he's going to be coming back on. Um, but yeah, a lot. I mean, look at uh, I tell you what, you've probably seen what kind of it's kind of funny with Ted Cruz. And speaking of elections, is I mean, I I always like Ted Cruz. I can't say always. I, I mean, I generally like Ted Cruz as a senator. Could not stand him as a presidential candidate, and. Boy, when he went on Tucker Carlton, Carlton the other night, or Carlson the other night, and Carlton Carlson. But anyway, and pretty much said, look, you know, I should have called the people on January 6th terror. That ain't quite what he meant. Um, I mean, so at least he had the guts to, to come on and say that. But then, uh, more so, 
is what he said. We're going to, I'm going to ask the, uh, our guest tonight, you know, what his thoughts on this are, uh, about when Ted Cruz was talking to uh, questioning Jill Sanborn. Now, one of the things I'm going to, I want to bring up, did you hear that, uh, that engagement, uh, Joseph? Uh, no. The only thing I heard which was really disturbing is that he's contemplating throwing his hat in the race for 2024, which he should know better. But no, Robert, I didn't hear that. Yeah, I don't know if he's – I mean, maybe or maybe not. I hope not because, again, I, I, I like him better as a senator than a, than a presidential candidate. But basically, he put her feet to the fire, right? Um, and what he did was he basically asked her, it's like, were there any anyone in the FBI, whether, you know, uh, someone or, you know, an informant or, or, or whatever he called it. Um, and he said, is there uh, – let's see. I'm trying to find – I want to find the exact quote, you know, uh, what, what he asked her. Um, but basically what it came down to was anybody, were there any, any FBI uh, that were involved in either actual violent events, you know, trying to motivate people to violent events, you know, things of that nature, okay? And basically she was like, I cannot reveal, you know, any something and, and methods, right? Uh, the, uh, what I want to get at is the methods part. So – if she says they can't give, uh, you know, if, if she can't say what the methods are, oh, well, we can't give any what the methods are, which I should have got the quote together, but the sources and methods, yeah. Just, you know, when he, uh, like, for instance, said, uh, how many FBI agents are con- – there, I got the quote for you. How many FBI agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th? And – also, he asked, Ms. Sandberg was right at the Fed, um, and then she said, sir, I can't answer that. And Sandberg said, repeating, that the FBI does not go into sources and methods. So my question would be to her, my follow-up question if I was Cruz would have been to her, well, if you cannot tell us, you know, if they were a part of that, if they actively participated in any events of January 6th, then what methods are the FBI using, you know, in, in these events? I mean, look what happened in Michigan when it came to that kidnapping. I mean, they're, they're looking into entrapment uh, in, that, in that matter there about the, the, the kidnapping of the governor in Michigan. So they're like, eh, these guys might have been uh, entrapped. Well, is is that one of their methods? Is that an, you know, was that one of the methods of the FBI were to, you know, egg people on to, you know, run into the Capitol building and storm into the Capitol building? Were they actually there? Were they actually exactly. participants, you know, getting people in there? What, that you know, is a valid question. Is that an actual exactly. method of the FBI? Correct. And we got to remember this FBI and CIA and Homeland Security, they're all at the behest of the, the Biden regime. Uh, all, all directors are appointed by the Biden regime. So let's be honest. We don't have a honest FBI, CIA, or Homeland Security. But then again, even when the shoe was on the other foot, on the Republican side, it's never been uh, uh, 
a fair process. If January 6th was a true insurrection, as the liberals are claiming, and it was to overthrow a government, all the analysts and experts and historians have went on the record of saying then that is the poorest insurrection that was ever implemented in the history. Meaning no and, way it was an insurrection. No, and no, and, and no one has been charged with sedition. No one has been charged with insurrection. No one has been charged with treason. Correct, and, and then, then and we the all person, forget. And the only person killed from it was an un, was an unarmed veteran. That's and exactly that guy, who I was going to bring up. Completely off. That's exactly who I was going to bring up, Robert. It's like you were reading my mind. Seriously. No one speaks about her death. She was unarmed. There was no valid justification to shoot her. And the person who shot her even admitted to that. And yet she is non-existent on every other media outlet except for Fox and Breitbart. Uh, and, and that is the hypocrisy of the left. Look, there was no insurrection. Okay, uh, Black Lives Matters have literally in the summer of love of 2020, they burnt down cities, they burnt down police stations, they killed police officers. Uh, you had multiple deaths. Uh, you had people looting. Chirp, chirp, chirp. Democrats silent on that. But January 6th, I mean, they're making it to be as if it was the French Revolution, the, storm of the, the storming of the Bastille. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. And that just goes to show you how much they fear Trump when they were pursuing a second impeachment. They know that when Trump runs in 2024, hell have no fury for his scorn. No one can beat him. And so they are so scared, they're trembling at their boots, that they have to conjure this January 6th BS, which I think you and I and a lot of people are tired of hearing about it, uh, in order to discredit Trump and in order to make sure he doesn't run again. You know, that's not the real issue that is plaguing Americans. The real issue is the economy. We're in the tank. We're on the verge of a modern-day depression. We're at a 40-year high of inflation. Um, we have shortages up the wazoo, chicken, pork, beef, food, lumber, gas. Everything is falling apart. So the only thing the Democrats can resort to is intimidation tactics because they have no substance. Biden's regime has only created anarchy, chaos. And by far, Jimmy Carter must be thanking Biden. Carter had the worst economy under his belt, and Obama were kind of like a tie in that. Now Biden will go down in history whenever he decides to step down or if he's forced to step down because – we know he's cognitively disintegrating quickly. We know he's not going to last for four years, that's for sure. I think Biden will go down in history as the worst president in our country. All across the border from foreign policy to domestic policy to the economy to the handling of COVID. Oh, and by the way, our allies no longer trust us. Do you blame, us? Do you blame them for what happened in Afghanistan? And Biden committed something that no one has done in 242 years as a country. Our policy of never leaving our own behind 
He did. Afghanistan is the proof in the pudding. And I defer back to you, Robert. Yeah, and that's another thing that, you know, the uh, you can't even call them the media anymore. I mean, they, they are the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party, and, they, and they, frankly, they have been for years. Um, it's, just, it's more obvious now. And on to your point about them taking the booth, oh, they're scared to death. You know, they're, they're scared to death that Trump's going to run again. And frankly, I think, the, the, you know, the globalists are, are scared to death. I think, you know, that's, I, I believe COVID was man-made. There's nothing, you know, that can be said to convince me otherwise, really. Um, and I think that it was released in time. And one of the things I want to ask our, you know, our guest tonight is, you know, as a, you know, get, if he gets elected as a member of Congress, you know, will he, you know, you know, begin or support or what have you, and you know, an actual investigation on the origins of of COVID. I mean, we we never had that in this. Uh, you know, under this regime, and, and we're not going to. And I'm not just talking about the Biden administration regime. I'm talking while the House of Representatives uh, can, you know, control the House. I mean, the, the Democrats are controlled by the, you know, House of Representatives are controlled by the Democrats. No, abs- absolutely correct, Robert. You, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um and I'm glad that uh, – and that's very important for any politician who's running for office. And you, you brought this point up last week. Um, you got to have a message. You, gotta, you, you can't just say what you're going to do, but you got to explain how you're going to do it. you got to give a comparison. you got to say, this is my platform, and compare it to your opponent's platform, and actually have substance. That's what the American people are looking for. They don't want boiling points, Robert. They want substance. They want specifics. What are you going to do? How are you going to implement these changes? How are you going to overcome challenges being that not all your colleagues may be on board? I think people want to hear that, especially in, the, in these troubling times. It no longer suffices to just say, well, I want to stop the indoctrination in our schools and uh, make sure that the liquor stores are kept open. Um, as a priority. I think you got to go a lot farther than that if you're going to earn people's uh, vote and if you're going to earn people's um, funds to be potential donors. Um, what say you on that, Robert? Well, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, as you said, I pointed that out last week. People do want specifics. I don't want to say, well, the, we, we get what you stand for. I mean, we, we do want to hear what you stand for. However, we want to know what actionable items that you're going to do and how you're going to, how you're going to achieve it. I mean, we, we have politicians for decades now, you know, promising, well, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do. And the reason why it never gets done, in my opinion, is that they never tell us how they're going to do it. We tell us exactly how you're going to get this accomplished because we're going to need to, we're going to, need to know. Uh, because if you're just saying, well, this is what I want to do, well, let's, Let's see the, how it's going to get done. Or at least we want—we at least want to see that your efforts are being done. Now I tell you what—I mean, I wasn't, uh, you know, a real big fan of uh, Rand Paul. Now lately, the way he's been, you know, going after Fauci, which—which which is great. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, the more he goes on Fauci, the more I like him, to be honest. Um, but. You know, but they're actually – I want to see them actually doing something 
uh, instead of just, you know, talking, you know, talking and talking, like going on media and saying, okay, well, this is what I think, this is what I'm going to you know, put them to task. You guys are senators. You guys are House of Representatives. You know, have these investigations. Put them to task. I want to actually see a real investigation into 20, what happened in 2020 with the election, a real investigation in what's going to happen, and, you know, what, what happened with the origins of COVID. You know, I want to see, you know, you know, real action. I want to see people become accountable. I want to see Adam Schiff, something happen with Adam Schiff politically. You know, I know one thing that uh, was said if, you know, the Republicans take the House is that, you know, they'll, they'll take, you know, for one, they'll take Adam Schiff, you know, out of the committees. He'll be one of the people um, that McCarthy will take, you know, off the committees. Well, great. Make sure you do that. Don't just talk. Now, I'm not a big fan of McCarthy anyway. I would much uh, rather see someone else. Um, and that's you know, one of the many uh, reasons why they fear Trump. That's one of many reasons why, because they know when he gets elected, they know that he's going to put their feet to the fire. They know that he's going to hold these uh, cronies uh, accountable. They, that was Trump's mistake in his first term. He did not aggressively go after the people that he was supposed to. And I think he's learned that lesson the hard way, especially when he got cheated out of the election. I definitely think, Robert, we're going to see a whole new different Trump. And a big part of that and component is going to be it's time to go after these crooks. It's time to hold them accountable. The American people need justice. And you're right. COVID was man-made. The debate is, was it in the Wuhan lab or not? But it was man-made. It didn't come from bats, that's for sure. And we need Donald Trump to restore order in our country. Right now, I'm watching on the news that a Virginia dad uh, at a center, uh, at a school board meeting, just for speaking up, three sheriffs tackled him to the ground like he was some violent criminal and arrested him. And I'm thinking, Robert, this is not the land of the free and the home of the brave. This is something they would do in Venezuela. This is something they would do in Cuba. This is something they would do in China. I mean, it's unbelievable. And it's unbelievable how these uh, school boards, how these boards are abusing their power. Just for the father speaking out, not out of line at all. And one of the board members says, sir, you need to stand down or we're going to have to escort you out of here. And he says, no, I have the right to speak. And then three cops tackle him to the ground. Robert, this is insane. This is not the beautiful country you and I grew up in, you and I were born in. I don't even recognize my country anymore. But one thing is for certain, Robert, I'm not going to stop fighting for my country. Yeah, we, I mean, there's a lot of people, do, I mean, you know, trying to do a lot of things, especially surrounding these, these possible man, uh, vaccine mandates. It's another thing I wanted to speak with, you know, our guest when he comes in at the top of the hour. Um, and I do see a Skype caller in here. I'm going to get you in the green room in a little bit. Uh, just get your name, and we'll get you into the uh, uh, program. And, yeah, I mean, so, I mean I, that's what I said in the beginning of the show is, you know, I think a lot more people, they're seeing what's going on and they're waking up and they're, and they're getting involved. I mean, I know people who are, you know, trying to get, you know, petitions together, 
But we got to be careful because I mean, even the people who we think are on our side, sometimes you, you, you wonder because, again, not, there, there's a petition that I'm helping some folks with. Now, it's local, so I'm, you know, and this being a national, frankly, an international program, uh, then, you know, it's not a lot of, I think we could do, you know, for, for localities. Uh, but we can, you know, and like next week we have someone coming in uh, who is working on these uh, petitions and what it is is, well, I won't burst above it, working on petitions. Oh, well, I told the Skype caller I was going to let it get, get them in, um, but I haven't, didn't get a chance to get their name. Hopefully they, uh, they call back. Uh, so I'm just getting ready to get them into the show. But sometimes, you know, you know we'll, we'll, we'll get them in. Yeah, hopefully they'll be more patient. Uh, and we'll get them into the show there. Uh, but, but I don't know exactly how Skype works, so I don't know if they, you know. But anyway, and I do want to welcome uh, the folks to the chat as well. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. It's uh, it's good to be back. Anyway, so I mean, and we're we're going to have to now. Talking on uh, on a call, I guess it was last night. Now on the 26th uh, of January, we are going to have on the show. Uh, Michael Johns, and if you're not familiar with uh, Michael Johns, is he is uh, let me get the post here. Yeah, he's going to be on as a state on the 26th. And one of the things I'll talk to him about is how we got to adopt some of you know we I think we do have to adopt some of the uh, tactics of the left. Now Michael Johns, he's a National Tea Party Movement uh, co-founder. Uh, he's a former White House speechwriter uh, to the, to Trump and uh, one of, and a heritage uh, policy analyst. Uh, he's going to be on the show on the 26th, and we're looking forward to that. But anyway, so I was speaking with him last night, and we see Kelly back on the line. So Kelly, we'll get you back in. Uh, talking last night, how we're going to? I think we're going to have to adopt some of the tactics of the left. Now, what I mean by that is, you know, not going and burning down cities. You know is I'm, I'm talking about taking to the streets and protesting the way they do, you know, much like we see in the Tea Party movement uh, do. Uh, I'm going to bring you back in, Kelly. Uh, what do you think about that, about, you know, we, we need to get into the streets, and, and that's to be visible. Because I think one of the reasons why I think the conservatives aren't as effective is we're just, we're just not seen. We are not seen en masse on the streets. And I think why organizations such as BLM, you know, being you know such a small group, but they're you know but they make sure that they're seen, and I think it's important we do that. What do you what, what do you think about that, Kelly? Well, I, I still can't figure out why people are protesting the Bureau of Land Management. I mean, out west, I think they're pretty helpful. I've got like three gold mining claims, and working on another. I mean, they're very helpful people, Bureau of Land Management. But um, <laughs> yeah, the they show uh, they do show uh, an awful lot of people on the streets, etc. And the media makes sure that it's covered, so that they always have the appearance of lots and lots of people. Of course, you know you have a Trump rally, and there might be you know Fox News will cover it, or One American News, or Newsmax, etc. But the mainstream doesn't seem to cover that up very much or if you have a big protest over masks or what have you the conservatives do 
you know, that's just kind of downplayed by the news or not even shown. So it's image. And, and politics is so much image. You know, earlier we were talking about, I think, the Reagan era and other times. Uh, if you're the opposing uh, politician isn't doing anything wrong, you just have to make the appearance that he's doing something wrong or bad or racist right. or what have you. You know, it's, it's endless games. And then people are left with trying to sort out the truth. Most Americans are working and they care about their family, this and that, school board functions or who knows what they're, you know, basketball games, whatever. They're they're busy. And so it's it's a frustrating. You know, the left is well strategized. In their in their propaganda, without a question, um, you know, <clears throat> conservatives have the radio talk show. People are working, you know, they listen to that. For some reason, the left doesn't do so well with uh, talk shows, radio talk shows, <clears throat> but they they seem to do a lot better with television and PBS and whatever. But uh, I, I had a little car problem or my truck problem, but I'm back, I guess. Well, and I think that – well, I think the, the, the reason for that is, is liberals – with liberals, um, that's more – you know, liberals, they, they focus more around things that affect the emotions, the emotions of someone. And video – I mean, you can – you mean by watching something, you can get a, a – you know, an emotional response – you know, and that feeds to, you know, that visual feeds to the emotional response you could get. Now, as conservatives, we're more cerebral, more, you know, use reason more. And so reason doesn't really need the distraction, and actually it can be a distraction, you know, for, you know, for basically video. <laughs> that could actually be a distraction, you know, to what they're, you know, what they're trying to get past through people reason. But if you're, you know, only hearing the words, and are able to focus on the words, you know, and reason. Again, that's why I think, you know, conservative talk show may be uh, more prominent, you know, more effective for conservatives than it would be for liberals. Again, that's just my take on it. Well, the the other aspect, um, you have people that are left brain, right brain, your left ear goes to your right brain, your <clears throat> right brain goes to your left, et cetera. There's some weird crossover, but it's very possible. Well, one side of the brain is incredibly artistic. The other side is very logical. So maybe um, audio from radio goes to the logical side, and that's why it doesn't work so well with, well, PBSs, but they're always doing the emotional story and the personal story. Um, maybe that explains it. I don't know. But anyway, the uh, I'm still waiting on the news from the <clears throat> Biden versus Missouri. And that's going to really define things. And let's see, HR1 and other things, um, Biden's wanting to break the filibuster in the Senate. Oh, yeah. Senate's that's holding. hypocrite. Yeah. Let me tell you. <clears throat> Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting uh, <clears throat> midterm. The LaRouche back, I've been talking to some people there, a whole bunch of people are running for office, be it school board or county clerk or uh, county supervisor or commissioner. 
I'm glad people are really getting involved. Yeah, I was uh, speaking with, uh, you know, a couple uh, people from the LaRouche organizations, because there's two now. There's actually the international organization and the LaRouche PAC. Um, so there's two of those uh, that, you know, that are there. Uh, now, we're going to have, in a couple weeks, you know, he, he was running for office. He's not running any, you know, this year. Uh, but, you know, maybe talk more about that. That's Daniel Burke. He ran for, I believe it was, uh, he, he, it was it the Senate that he ran for back in 2016. Well, we had him on the show, you know, but he's not up for New Jersey, but he's not he's not running any longer. He's not running this time around is what I'm saying. Yeah, he was running, yeah, he was running for Senate from New, Jer- um, New Jersey, but uh, he, he's no longer running for that. But yeah, he, he might be, uh, be maybe coming on uh, the show now. They're they're more they have a little more global stance, the LaRouche organization, than what the LaRouche Pack is, and it sounds like it's kind of a you know, complicated dichotomy between uh, between the two. We're going to get more about that. Um, So we got about twenty minutes before our guest comes on, and okay, well, good. I got a couple of news pieces. <clears throat> I just throw something up here. So Senator Ted Cruz and uh, is yes, questioning. Yeah, we talked a little bit about <clears throat> that earlier. Go ahead, Kelly. Okay, yeah, Ray Ray Epps. <clears throat> Ray Epps, who was on the Capitol last year, January sixth, and uh, they had. Uh, well, in a Senate hearing Tuesday, the FBI's Assistant Executive Director for the National Security Branch, Jill Sanborn, repeatedly said she could not answer whether or not a man seen on video urging people to go into the Capitol the eve of January 6th and then directing the initial breach of barriers was an FBI informant. Finally, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas asked Sanborn what he described as not a law enforcement question but one of public accountability. Did federal agents or those in service of federal agents actively encourage violent criminal conduct on January 6th? The senator asked. Not to my knowledge, sir, Sanborn replied. Cruz began his questioning with, how many FBI agents or confident informants actively participated in the events of January 6th? Sanborn replied, sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics of methods and sources. The FBI official also said she could not answer whether or not any bureau agents or confidential informants committed or actively encouraged crimes of violence on January 6th. Cruz then asked, who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. I don't have the specific background to him, Sanborn replied. Cruz showed images of the video evidence as he recounted that a crowd surrounding Epps on the night of January 5th chanted, Fed, 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 as Epps urged people to go inside the Capitol the next day. The Texas lawmaker also showed an image of Epps whispering into the ear of a man who was seen five seconds later breaking down the barrier. And he noted that Epps was removed from the FBI's most wanted list without explanation and never was charged. Hmm. And then Cruz is adding, no one has explained why a person 
videoed urging people to go to the Capitol, a person whose conduct was so suspect the crowd believed he was a Fed would magically disappear from a list of people the FBI was looking at, Cruz said. And so they kind of have this back and forth, kind of like recently Rand Paul is uh, Fauci. But back to the Epps and, and the FBI uh, deputy director. Um, we, we just, Jill Sanborn, we have a, a really interesting uh, scenario because they're wanting to get to the bottom of it. Well, we don't know. We don't know. I, I had uh, retired law enforcement people tell me what they, they'll do sometimes. And why Epps, who was on the FBI's most wanted list, why he may have been um, there the night before encouraging people to get into the Capitol as well as um, remove the most wanted list. Because what will happen, and this, this, it's dirty tricks by the police. Um, basically, they'll say, hey, you're busted for this. And, and this and again, this is dirty cop business. You did something really bad, and we want to put you in jail for a long time. But I tell you what, if you go do this instead, for example, the thing I heard was some guy had some He'd abused his wife, and it looked like he was going to go to jail. And the cops said, I tell you what, if you take this uh, bag of drugs, we'll put a wiretap on you. And you go do this deal so we get evidence on somebody else, then we're not going to charge you for, for beating your wife. A cop told me this, and two other cops that were doing this, and this, this good cop says, no, we ain't doing this. We're not using some petty crime and blackmailing them to get a bigger criminal. We're not doing this. So they, they stopped it. So it's possible, possible, and I've heard other stories, but basically it's possible Epps had a plea deal amongst, a plea bargain amongst the FBI, not a judge, not a grand jury, not anything. Uh, FBI is, by the way, controlled by the Justice Department. The Justice Department, FBI, he could have been turned from the most wanted on the FBI list to a operative so that he wouldn't be directly with the FBI. He wasn't FBI, but he was turned. And how many people did they do this to? I don't know. Did they do this? It's. I'm not saying they did. I'm saying I'm highly suspect of it in, in the in the dirty, dirty cop game. So it's you know, and I would say most absolutely most cops are, are are awesome and hardworking and honest. You just get a few people that want a promotion. And speaking of which, I have a story of a uh, sheriff in uh, Santa Clara County, California. He is um, Santa Clara is where San Jose, the city of San Jose. Um, all right, so should I tell you the story before the guest comes on? Well, yeah, go ahead. We've got some time. Okay. California civil grand jury accused the Santa Clara County Sheriff Lori Smith of corruption. And this came out. Uh, it's due in court on January 12th. So that was they. She went to court today, and we'll explain why she had to go to court from the civil grand jury doing something. Um, a Santa Clara 
Santa Clara County civil grand jury accused Sheriff Lori Smith of corruption with formal accusations filed Tuesday in court. The sheriff is accused of multiple counts of, quote, willful and corrupt misconduct in office. Six of the seven counts are connected to allegations of trading coveted concealed weapons permits for contributions to her re-election campaigns. The the accusations in trading concealed carry weapons permits, or CCWs, for campaign donations, unfair CCW considerations for non-VIPs, failing to provide non-VIPs timely notice of their applications, accepting gifts in excess of $500, which includes San Jose Shark, San Jose Sharks suit, sweet tickets, sweet tickets from an applicant, failing to report that gift, perjury for omitting that gift from financial reforms, failing to cooperate with the investigation into an inmate injured during transfer. The injured inmate ended in a $10 million settlement between Santa Clara County and the inmate family. Uh, charges like these can't help but undermine the the public trust in law enforcement and in public institutions in general. County Supervisor Joe Simishin said, I think that's a tragic consequence of the whole affair, but mostly it's sad that it came to this. County supervisors unanimously gave the sheriff a vote of no confidence in August after years of incidents at the county jails, which Smith oversees. The matter now is with the courts, and we'll see how it plays out over the next year. Uh, Simishin said, this comes down to a civil grand jury. Smith has not been accused of a crime, but she's, she is due in court on January 12th. We'll have to see what happens there. But she disputes the uh, allegations, and uh, if there's criminal involvement, the case would ultimately be heard by a jury. Now, when you this is a side note for people that don't understand. In California, we have a civil grand jury and we have a criminal grand jury. When a criminal grand jury is meeting, the civil grand jury can't in, indict, it's, but they can get, issue a presentment or a report of corruption, which can result in the removal of office once uh, accused of willful misconduct. Again, it's not criminal charges, yet it is a, a report. So this is explained by a, a legal analyst named Dean Johnson, quote, it's a combination in a way of a civil trial, a criminal trial, and it's our substitute here in California for impeachment proceedings. Like any impeachment proceeding, if there is a conviction, the remedy is removal from office, and that's all the court can impose. The district attorney has recused himself from this case, and so the San Francisco district attorney, uh, Cheza Budin, and his office will prosecute the case. Um, so basically, uh, grand jury says, Hey, you're corrupt. Here's the report file it with court. And we recommend removal from office immediately. Well, the grand jury doesn't have the right to remove somebody from office, but only provide a report or a presentment. Then the judge, um, allows a hearing because there's two sides to every story. And if the judge uh, concludes uh, upon hearing the sheriff and uh, reviewing the documents, the, the, the judge would remove the sheriff from office. No criminal charges yet. So it's one way that uh, the grand jury provides check and balance, provides accountability. So I just thought that was a real interesting uh, 
watching the news if, if a sheriff from Santa Clara County or San Jose, California is removed. That was because of the work of the grand jury. Several years, I think it was 2018 when the grand jury of Pennsylvania statewide, they listed about 500 Catholic priests that had molested uh, children. I actually wrote a chapter prophesying this in, in the book I wrote, The Hidden Fourth Branch, but the Pennsylvania grand jury found about 500 priests. This is really bad. So at least we have another mechanism of accountability besides our vote. So I don't know any your thoughts or Joseph's thoughts about what I just read. Well, oh, Joseph, no, uh, let's go ahead and bring that to you. Get your thoughts. Yeah, no, there definitely needs to be accountability uh, all across the board, um, completely. And I had a chain of thought. I wanted to add something else. I'm trying to think. It's on the tip of my tongue. But no, no, we need accountability all across the board. And um, it'll come back to me. Sometimes you have a brain freeze. But, um, yeah, uh, it'll it'll come back to me. I do apologize. Well, I blame COVID for that now. <laughs> well, you know. Oh, you just reminded me. We are going to need a lot a lot, a lot, a lot, lot more of that uh, in the future. I just think that the politicians have been able to get away. Oh, did you did you remember it, uh, Joseph? Yeah, Five I did remember. You jogged my memory with the COVID. So now they're saying that uh, the hospitals are overwhelmed in California. So this is in your purview, Kelly. Um, because of the Omicron variant. And then when they actually went to do the stat, that wasn't the case. Uh, There's shortages of medical staff in the hospitals of California. So once again, strong liberals, strong uh, blue stronghold, fudging the numbers because they don't want this disease to go away. So when you said COVID, you jogged my memory. That's what I wanted to bring up. In reality, they're understaffed. Um, I don't know if you heard about that that came out today. Um, on the news about California hospitals. So I'll give that back to you, Kelly. Well, well, I know here in Siskiyou County, we're on the Oregon border, where we have the beautiful Mount Shasta here. But uh, I've rallies, um, people on the street waving signs, all sorts of stuff, because uh, Governor Newsom, I'm sorry, Governor Newsom had the mandate that all state employees... Governor Newsom's, I mean Newsom. All right. Anyway, somehow he survived a recall. Anyway, he uh, dictated that uh, basically California uh, government workers and um, healthcare workers in the, in the medical industry have to be vaccinated by a certain date, or they're going to lose their job. And it was a big hubbub here. And uh, personally, uh, no, a nurse. And a doctor who um, they had to quit, and, or else they well they did um, some, some <clears throat> documents that basically said you can't do this, you can't be doing this to us. And so what happened was, I think they got fired, which would be a wrongful termination because it was not informed consent and all sorts of other things that have been to their defense. They, they set the paperwork up pretty well, but they still got fired. And so all of a sudden you're having this 
well, at one time, when I went to supervisor's meeting here, I was working on elections integrity stuff, an update to the supervisors, and the, the, the supervisor chambers were, were packed full. And this was way back in, I want to say, What the heck? Ladies and gentlemen, we're technical difficulties. Dumping. I know. I think it's the wind. It sounds like the wind, Robert. I don't know. It's the wind or it's piping or what? <laughs> I'm not sure. We must All right, I had, to, I had to mute that. I'll let him. Uh, um, I'm going to tell him, you to do the noise. <laughs> Stranger things have happened on this show, so no worries, Robert. <laughs> yeah, NSA Bob. That's probably NSA Bob acting up again. Probably Let's see if he so. still got yeah. it. It's there. Yep. <laughs> I'd like to know what the heck that is. Uh, that was going to say, Bob, acknowledging your statement, so he acknowledged. <laughs> no, so if, if uh, once Kelly gets back, uh, so we got eight more minutes or nine, seven more minutes till our guest comes. Um, you know, people are done with these dynasties, uh, you know, uh, the the voters repudiated the the Bush dynasty when Jeb Bush actually thought he had a chance of running in 2016, and I think the same is going to happen with Hillary. Uh, right now, they're overhyping it and hyperbolizing that she may be the savior of the party. But let's not forget that Hillary Clinton had the highest uh, rate of unpopularity of any other nominee in Democratic uh, uh, nominee history, and so. Right now, I just think the news is just – they have really no substance to talk about, so they're finding a new uh, flavor of the day to talk about. But, geez, if Hillary Clinton is the savior of the Dems, hey, keep on going. It's the gift that keeps on giving. You'll just make Trump's win a landslide. Well, and that's what, the, I mean, and that's what they're afraid of, and, I, I, and I'll keep going back to this because I think that's what the global, why the globalists released – you decide that time to release COVID because, I mean, without COVID, I'm I'm pretty confident that you know Trump would have won re-election without without if if there wasn't COVID, I'm pretty confident he would have done that. He, I, I'm um, pretty confident he would have won. I I'm not I'm kind of conflicted on that. Um, I've always had a fifty-fifty pull on that. Um, I, I'm not sure if they would have still tried to have rigged it or not. Because, I mean, Donald Trump did a tremendous job of making sure we didn't slip into a modern-day depression. I don't think anyone else could have handled COVID as well as President Trump. I, I don't think anyone else could have handled it in the nature that he did. And hypothetically, had it been the Biden regime that were in power when COVID hit in March of 2020, I think by now we would have been on a, a brink of a modern-day depression. So I, we all know Donald Trump won legitimately. He was cheated out of it. So the 50-50 in my mind is would the globalists have allowed it or would have allowed him to get cheated out 
had COVID never hit, me has always been a 50-50 on that, Robert. 50% says yes of me, but another 50% says it wouldn't have made a difference. However, um, I don't know if you agree with me or not. I'd like to get your opinion before our guest comes on the show. Once again, I'll, I'll say it again. I don't think any president in the history of our country could have handled COVID as well as Donald Trump did. A president Trump did. My apologies. Right. Well, I, I, mean, so I think that. Well, I well I think that I, I mean I still stand by with what I said uh, because I think in order for them to be as a, their their seal to be as effective as it was, there still had to be a lot of people out there who were convinced uh, to vote for Trump. And one thing the media unfortunately was successful in doing. Uh, and, and, that, and that doesn't speak well for the intellect of the general populace of these United States, in my opinion, is that you had, you know, a, a, a large amount of people who were able to be convinced by the media that, uh, you know, not really the media, but the Democratic arm of the Democrat, I mean, the no, propaganda arm of the Democrat Party, there was enough people convinced in our country that, yeah, somehow Trump was. I mean, when they, you know, they keep pushing it, like kept bringing up all the death. Notice they're not doing that during the uh, Biden administration. You're not hearing the daily death count and having all these people saying all these deaths uh, due to COVID are on, you know, squarely on the, the blood on the hands of Biden. They're not saying that. More people died of COVID during the uh, Biden regime than th- when Trump was in office. And, but you don't and see that proof. daily death count, you know, every day on every news channel, almost every news channel, as you did during the Trump administration. And the proof was in the pudding, despite what the mainstream media was trying to spin, that Donald Trump was doing a horrible job. He had no problem drawing in rallies of forty to 60,000 people, while Biden could barely get 10 people to a rally. So I think a lot of the American people knew it was just BS from the mainstream media. Um, but I also think that you're correct. Um, a lot of people who may be on the gullible side, um, maybe they were swayed by the uh, false narrative that the um, mainstream media had. Let's be honest. If COVID never happened, one thing is, is, is guaranteed. Um, if COVID never happened, uh, in in Trump's third year, the economy was booming. I arguably would say it was at the at the highest peak, the best economy we've ever had under any president. Um, I would say that fifty percent of me says that Trump would have won by a landslide, something similar to Reagan in in eighty four. No, oh, I yeah, I would say he would have. Yeah, if it wasn't, yeah, I think COVID had a big. Uh, big influence on what happened to the uh, during the election, and I believe our uh, guest is on. Uh, we'll uh, go ahead and uh, check that in the green room, make sure, and then uh, we'll bring him in. So let's uh, before I do that, let's see if Kelly is able to uh, get rid of that uh, that noise that we had heard earlier. Let's see. Hello, Kelly. Yeah, well, we don't hear the. Sorry the, about that. I, there you I, go. I, I hit a go button on my. I hit, I hit a button on my phone. Sorry. No, that's okay. Well, go ahead and uh, finish up your words. I'm going to go into the green room and uh, 
I believe welcome our guest, and then we'll uh, we'll be back with um, our, our guest uh, Jack Lombardi. Uh, go ahead, Kelly. Well, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm looking forward to the guest, but basically California had uh, oh my gosh, locally about thirty twenty five to thirty percent of the employees quit or got fired because they wouldn't take the COVID shot, and so you have a crisis, you know, if it was a seasonal flu, and now they're spinning it with COVID. So that's so we do have, about uh, it. Go ahead, Kelly. So we do have our we do have our guest on. So let's go ahead and welcome back uh, Jack Lombardi. Uh, so thank you very much, uh, Jack, for coming back onto the show. Uh, how you been? I'm been well. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for your listeners. Uh, appreciate it. It's always been a good time uh, being on here with you. Just you know, rocking and rolling here. Originally, I was running against Adam Kinzinger. And we scared him out of the race, it looks like. He couldn't find a pathway to victory, so he dropped out. And then we had the Illinois Democrats do what Illinois Democrats do, which is gerrymandered the hell out of the districts. And uh, it put me in the 14th district against the radical progressive Lauren Underwood. It's kind of the same area, <clears throat> kind of the same thing. Yeah, and so, yeah, as you stated, you know, originally you were going to run against uh, Adam Kinzinger. And he has decided not to run for re-election. Uh, but it, it looks like, yes, he did uh, You know, see the writing on the wall. I mean, is that, I guess that's why I'm thinking he decided not to run. Um, and specifically, I mean, you believe he just didn't see, as you said, he just didn't see a path. And, and why do you think he uh, finally seen the writing on the wall? What do you think did it for him? Well, he was going around uh, doing test polling, right, with, you know, um, text messaging, emailing, and things like that. And, well, you know, I have a following of about 100,000 Illinoisans and those yeah, on Facebook specifically, and uh, they were posting their responses to him when he was asking if I could count on your support. They would screenshot their responses and put it up in these different groups that either I'm an admin of or, or belong to. And, uh, you know, it was pretty overwhelming that Illinois Republicans have had enough of them. He's a, he's a career political yep. hack, period. I mean, that's it. And, and he's, he's, he's a puppet boy for the progressive party. I, I, I no longer call the Democrat Party Democrat Party. I call it the progressive party, right? And, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, somehow, some way they, they turned him, they leveraged him, or maybe he was always, you know, a progressive because, I mean, that's why we call him a rhino, and he couldn't find a, a pathway to victory. I mean, you know, it, it's just that simple. Well, I would even go so far as to say the Democrat Party are fascists, <laughs> especially what they're they're doing. And I'm going to jump right back, uh, right into it. So, and speaking of uh, fascism, uh, I'm going to bring straight to uh, the vaccine mandate. And as you know, uh, probably one of the most prominent issues uh, facing America, at least today. Uh, and of course, and we'll talk about voting later. But uh, now, so my question here, you know, again, jumping right to it. Is regardless of how the Supreme Court rolls on, you know, Biden's fascist vaccine mandate, uh, you know, we'd like to know, you know, how would you protect uh, the medical rights of the American citizen? Well, you know, okay, so here, I'm going to say two things, okay? <clears throat> Something uh, Senator uh, Paul, right, said, he, he said it re- he, he was, I really liked what he had to say. My parents 
they both got vaccinated. I supported them with it. They're 80 and 87 years old. I had COVID. I've had it twice. They couldn't have survived. I had the, se- the second time was real bad. They couldn't have survived it. I would have been shocked if they could, okay? With the, with the vaccine, do I think it's, you know, helped them? Yes, because they actually got COVID while they had it. So I think it helped them, it protected them, and I still have my parents. So, so I'm grateful for that. However, it is their choice. It is all Americans' choice, and it needs to be protected as your own choice. Now, there's therapeutics that we need to talk about that we haven't. There's, uh, there's treatments, you know, I'll say both ways, treatments, therapeutics, that we need to talk more about. And, uh, you know, we also have to pay attention to the Constitution because what's happening here is, is you have, uh, you know, large groups of people in government who are ignoring the Constitution. And that's problematic because if we're ignoring it on one point, what else are we going to ignore it on? And now we're having the problems we're having with, you know, this bill they're trying to push through that, you know, uh, you know anyone can vote. I mean, they're, they're, you know, I put a tweet out. Um, I know you follow me on Twitter. I put a tweet out a few days ago. I said, you know, Democrats hate the Constitution. Plain and simple. They just hate it. They don't want to follow it. And so, you know, I will always protect the individual right of all citizens when I'm sitting down and thinking, am I going to co-sponsor this bill? Am I going to write this bill? Whatever I'm going to do, does this protect the individual right of the citizen? And that should be forethought all the time, not an afterthought like it has been lately. Well, one of the things I equate these forced vaccinations, if they do go through, I mean, I, I consider it medical rape. And the reason I say that is basically, you know, you're violating someone's body, you know, penetrating them. And then, yeah, I might get a little graphic here, but you're, you're penetrating them, you know, and injecting, you know, cells and chemicals into their body without their consent. And if that isn't the description of rape, I don't know what is. Well, I, you know, uh, again, it goes back to protecting the individual's right to choose what is best for their body. And more specifically, and the one I'm more, you know, most passionate about is protecting the rights of parents to choose what's best for their children. Well, yeah, I mean, another one, another one to vaccinate uh, kids, which doesn't make, you know, they say they follow the science, but, I mean, there's a greater chance of a child, you know, dying in a car accident than COVID, and yet we're not, uh-huh. you know, rambling to try to keep children out of cars. You know, we're not trying to, like, make sure that, you know, all children are super strapped inside the, in, inside the vehicle. You know, so it's, it's, it doesn't make what, sense, what? but it's not about making sense. It's about control. Well, it, it is. It is. And, and here, let me, let me add a little bit more to that thought. And this has been my experience while dealing with government. Well, you know, I do briefings with the Heritage Foundation. I would suggest that any one of your listeners should go to the Heritage Foundation and pick a topic and read all you want because these people are the they're, they're the conservative think tank of D.C. They're very sharp, and uh, they're, these are the people I go to when I have questions. So with that said, one thing that I've learned about government is there's certain agencies that are competing with other agencies and it shouldn't be that way, but people have the, I'm trying to protect my job mentality, which is, I mean, it's, I guess that's human. And another symptom 
right, a symptom of too big of a government is, is this, right? So what winds up happening is, is some of these organizations or agencies within our government, they, they, they ran very poorly. The morale is very poor. The, you know, the, the uh, culture of, of this uh, leg of government is, is just, you know, subpar, right? And what happens is, is uh, they, they, you know, their, their systems, the way this part of government works is just, it's, it's just poor, okay? It's just very sloppy, it's clunky, and it's, it's not very efficient at all. And as a business owner, an entrepreneur, you know, I could see this. It, you know, some of these people, I, I listen to, you know, the product in a certain agency. I'm like, oh, my God, this is a mess. But it's, it's the bureaucracy that's involved with a lot of it. So, you know, yes, do, you know, is this a power move? Yes. Why is it a power move? Because the government is disorganized. And it's not like I wouldn't say overall, but there's agencies within the government that are extremely disorganized. They're limited because of their internal conflict or their conflict with other, you know, similar agencies. And the American citizen is the one that has to pay because they don't know how to run these agencies. See, many of these people have never built a business. They've never ran a business. They never had to put systems in place. They've never had a high-level management position. So they don't understand how to make these agencies run like a well-oiled machine, like there was a profit at the end. See, remember, it's government spending. The debt ceiling only it only seems to go up. It never comes down. Have you ever noticed that? And there's a reason oh, for that. Yeah. It's because they, they don't know how to run these agencies efficiently like a business. And that is one of the big problems we have, and that's why I'm a big proponent of more businessmen and women getting into Congress on both sides of the aisle. Because you can't sit across the aisle from me looking at the same spreadsheet I'm saying, saying this is okay. Because if I mean, if you had a business mind, you say this is not right, and we we need to have to start cutting the fat here. And there's some agencies which I'm not going to say right now. There's some agencies that I have my eye on that that definitely could need overhaul, or we need to get rid of because they're a waste of taxpayer dollars, and they are part of the problem. They're part of the. They're, they're not the solution. They're the problem in what we're actually seeing here with this pandemic, and it's shown its face because the systems broke down and exposed which, which agencies were weak. I know that was a whole earful. That's fine. And speaking of uh, Heritage uh, Foundation, uh, we will be having, uh, you know, Michael Johns, uh, who was a policy analyst, for the Heritage Foundation. Uh, he'll be joining us, folks, on the 26th uh, of January. So, you know, we'll, we'll be having him on then. And now as to uh, the agencies, I certainly hope NASA is on, on your list because I get a question about uh, one of their programs. And, uh, I, again, so I hope that's not one of those oh. on your, on your Wait, list. Wait, who is it? Uh, Which one? I didn't catch it. NASA. I'm sorry. I didn't... NASA? <laughs> I said NASA. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, actually, you know, at this point, we should just hand it over to Elon Musk and let him straighten it out. But go ahead. I say they have to. I spoke with uh, spoke with our guest last week. Uh, he's running for Senate in Ohio, and when the primary uh, for Ohio here, and yeah, we were talking about you know you know public partner uh, public private partnerships uh, a little bit with him, and you know I, I think those can work. I think that you know. I like what Elon Musk's doing. I think he's, he's got a very important part to play uh, when it comes to uh, the program, but something not massive, 
I really do think that it is going to take a, a public, you know, private partnership. And I, I think there are government agencies that is going to be important to play a part in that because I, I think it's NASA really does, uh, I'll talk more about it later, does play a part in our national security. And, you know, one of their programs, and I'll explain later uh, why I think uh, one of their programs is, is you know, in, implemental for uh, our national security. But I want to get on the voter uh, integrity. Uh, we, we touched on that. Um, and as a candidate, uh, you know, what measures uh, do you propose that uh, will ensure that the Democrats plan, and we know they're planning it, they're working on it, uh, not only um, on the ground, but also, you know, <laughs> in, in the halls of government, to allow election, you know, what, what would you, you know, propose people to do to ensure that their plans, uh, you know, to allow election manipulation are thwarted? Because you know they're going to try again. They know the wave is coming. That's why you have, you know, so many, you know, Democrats and Drinos, and, and for that matter, uh, speaking of senior, who are retiring and deciding not to run. They see the wave coming, but I don't think that's going to stop them to try to, at least on the national level, well, you know, when you're talking about uh, voter, you know, their, their voter laws that they're trying to do there. Um, and, you know, again, on the ground, I think they're going to try to manipulate things on the ground. I mean, what would you suggest ways to thwart that? Because they're going to try it again. They're successful, <coughs> in my opinion, in 2020. So what's your thoughts? All right. Here's, here's my thought on that. You don't want to ask federal candidates that are Republicans and who actually will follow the Constitution – to get involved with election integrity, things like that, the elections, right? That is a state-level issue. It is for by the state, for the state, right? And that was put in there as for a reason, okay? Now, I am all in favor of voter ID. I'm in favor of it. Now, it doesn't mean that it will come across my desk, you know, being a U.S. Congress, you know, in, in U.S. Congress. However, I'm all for it. Right. I would just say as an individual, because, I mean, it only makes sense at this point, especially at this point. Now, towards the Democrats, well, they could continue to do well, they're going to continue to always do something. Right. The progressives are always going to be trying to stack the cards in their favor because, you know, for some reason in their mind, socialism is going to work. Well, it hasn't worked any anywhere else in any large country. But, you know, I, I, I suppose you know, there's there's uh, alternative reasons of why they're pushing so hard. You know, and uh, you know maybe one day that'll get exposed. What I would say is this: um, I would say that your listeners need to get involved with their local Republican Party. You don't have to like them or not, but you have to get involved with them and ask them what's happening with election integrity and to get involved. See, here's the thing: I always get asked what I'm going to do, but the reality is is Remember, every listener, that vote is yours. No one else's. It is yours. And we have to go fight for our individual votes. So what I would say is get involved with your local Republican Party. Ask what they're doing about election integrity. Is there an audit committee? Get involved in that. Become a poll watcher. Become an election judge. That's what we need to do because we're in this fight together to save our Constitution, and it's going to take every one of your listeners, including you, including me, to, to take you know to man, man the ship here. And that, that's what we're going to have to do. Now, like I said, as a, you want to keep the feds out of elections. You, you know, so obviously the only thing I could do is vote against anything that the progressives would bring up 
you know, uh, you know, in, in the house. I mean, that's the only thing. I'm not going to get involved, you know, on, on a federal level when elections are to be held at and per our constitution at the state level. Hope that answers your question. It does, and especially you know what would you propose I, I, I maybe legislatively. But yeah, I mean about people you know getting out. Like one thing that you know I've been involved in is becoming a precinct executive, and you know that's one of the things we're, we're you, know, you know promoting you know here on the show. And actually, we're going to be you know, talking with some folks in the next couple of weeks on that. Uh, now, of course, time to run, and so I can't. I'm not going to really talk much about that because <laughs> I'm. Um, but it's something we have again, being a precinct executive. Um, so, uh, Kelly, did you want to address any of that? I do have uh, three one four in the green room. We're going to get you uh, into the show. So let's go ahead, go ahead, Kelly, and I'm going to take a visit to our three one four caller. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, I appreciate this uh, gentleman coming in and talking with us, as as well as um, running. Running for office, that's great, because we need so many Americans to, to step up, and this gentleman is. Of course, about elections, um, I like your plan of defense at the federal level. Um, Article <clears throat> Article 1, Section 4, this has to do with the legislature of the United States, um, Congress. Mm-hmm. So Article war, 1, Section 4, Subsection 1, the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. Mm-hmm. But the Congress may at any time by law make or alter such regulations. So what we have here is you have in, in congressmen and senators, all right, you have states running the election system and practically hands-on. That's You're right, they do that. It's the state, uh, you got the Secretary of State, you got the county election clerks, you got your poll workers, et cetera. And by the way, I'm with Watch the Vote USA. I'm a board member. We've been doing election integrity for, oh gosh, way too long. And I'm more, I know more than I want to. But this um, Article 1, Section 4 piece allows them to uh, propose H.R. 1, which is a disaster. The Republicans are standing up and filibustering against it. So that's very good news. But yeah, your defensive position is very good. But the Constitution does allow the Congress to, to diddle in this process. It should be local. Now, regarding what you also can do, I would hope that with uh, going to Congress, you would have um, a duty, of course. You you probably already know this. But to to have an investigative eye over the executive branch. That's why the mm-hmm. Congress has subpoena power, and it's been proven with the Arizona legislature when they got the state Supreme Court to approve that the subpoena they sent regarding Maricopa County stands. So it's it's um, one of your duties is to hold accountable the federal government. I would encourage a thorough investigation of the the Federal Election Assistance Committee Okay. Um, yeah, it was FEC Federal Election Assistance Committee. Anyway, mm-hmm. what they do is they are the big proponents of all these electronic election machines, which I do not like because there's too many vulnerable vulnerabilities. But as a congressman, you can look into the Election Assistance Committee and find out 
if their standards are too loose, way too loose, when they approved one of the big three, which would be Dominion, ESNS, and Heart Civic. Um, because if there are people in the election assistance committee that can boondaggle people and say everything's fine, everything's fine, but these machines have not gone through the the necessary technical uh, screening, screening, then we could see a lot more elections go very sour very quickly, and it is a federal agency. So I, I would I would encourage um, if you get elected to to consider investigating the EAC, not just a congressional hearing, but get a subpoena of some kind and take a computer tech with you. So I, I just wanted to tell you about – I've been working on election integrity over 10 years now, and that's mm-hmm. been one of the problems is the EAC. So I, I just want to get your thoughts on that. Well, this, I mean, this is something that um, – so here in Illinois, I've been working with, uh, you know, not intimately on the outskirt of it, with the election integrity here in Illinois. And I'm also part of some of the, the um, calls that happen about election integrity and the algorithms of, um, of election integrity uh, or, or, you know, possible, and I'm going to use these words carefully, uh, you know, possible fraud that, you know, may have taken place. Right. Um, and, I, you know, I've been involved in it, so I understand where you're going with it. My People ask me, what what do I bring to the table for, for Congress? And I know they all have their own agenda. And, of course, I care about these things. Yes, I care about election integrity, of course. The biggest thing that I bring to, to Congress is the fact I own the number one digital marketing company in Chicago and, more specifically, search engine, search engine optimization and algorithms. These are things I, I worked with for so many years, the last 15 years, and uh, data and in, in whatnot. So that's something I bring to the Republican Party that really, you know, is, isn't there. Um, you know, so the, you know, the Freedom from Big Tech Caucus is uh, something that's interesting, interested me, and I, and I believe and I, they're interested in me as well, right? And these are things like Section 230 and how we govern the Internet and it's used in social media, this is something that I, I bring to the table that it's a skill set you just can't go out and get. You can't get it in, in, you know, in college. You can't, you, know, you can't go to school for it. So this is something that I believe I could really help the Americans, we the people, have uh, you know, less, less um, you know, silencing and censorship, right, to work against that in litigation and also test these algorithms to – you know, I understand the ways to test them, test them to prove that you know these things are intentional. Uh, they're on the radar, but I can actually, we can actually demonstrate how it's done. Okay, so these are things I'm going to focus on, along with uh, in in you know the First Amendment is there for a reason, and the the road we're going down, and why this is so important is. And in, in, let me explain. Uh, it, everyone knows or should know what the First Amendment is, but I'm going to give an analogy of how the First Amendment works. So the First Amendment is like a pressure cooker, right? We're, the First Amendment, it's, it's said in uh, many, the Supreme Court Justice 1964, uh, you know, the First Amendment in, in, in between 
conflict or within government or dealing with elected official, it, it's going to be it, – it could get ugly. The conversation can get ugly. They, they, you could use profanities, and that's all within the First Amendment. But that's important because even though, yeah, it may seem like an argument, you know, things – issues are getting worked through. And at times it could be ugly. And other times it could be peaceful. But that conversation needs to continue to happen. And so the First Amendment is like the relief valve on top of that pressure cooker, right? So right now what's happening is is because of big tech silencing, because of the echo chambers that big media, Galaxy Media has created, because of the uh, echo chambers made on, you know, on the big, you know, all the big social media sites, right? What's happening here is these conversations are not being allowed to happen in that pressure cooker when they're, when they're, when big tech is censoring one party or the other, that pressure cooker is building pressure and that relief valve isn't there. It's it's just not letting the relief off of where people can start to argue. So now we have a very, very divided country and idea. So you have, let's say, the left. They're looking at people on the right saying, what the hell don't they get? Are they not seeing the same information I'm not seeing or I'm seeing? Why don't they understand why this is important to me or whatnot? And then people on the right are saying, hey, you're violating our constitutional rights here. You, you know, you're, you're, you're not honoring, you know, the, the contract of being, being a, an American. And, and we're saying, what don't you get? Why don't you see? Why, how are you not seeing the evidence that we're seeing? Well, it's because big tech is keeping us apart. And now is it being done intentionally? I don't know. But by design, I can understand that they, they don't want to have conflict on their, on their platforms, so they're trying to protect the platform. Well, the problem is, at that same time, they've infringed on our ability to communicate, and sometimes it's ugly. So now you've got these two big echo chambers, and you've got people that are kind of looking at one or wondering, what the hell are you thinking? How could you be so dumb? And this is eventually going, going to cause it's going to be catastrophic and we got to find our way back from that as a society, the cancer culture and in also the cancel culture that big tech has its hand in. So I believe for to, to protect America, to protect our future as a Republic, right? So we don't tear it apart on both sides. And then, you know, if we tear it apart on both sides, we're, we're allowing whatever idea, whatever, the idea that sounds like peace to come over us, and, it, it, and it's most likely going to be a, a box that's wrapped up, big pretty bow on it, and inside it's going to be a, a steaming pile of shit because that's how these things work. And then we're all going to get screwed, all of us, and that's what's happening. So that's why I say it's, it's, it's very important that we address the issue that we can actually have differences online and we're not silenced or censored anymore. I think for the existence of our, our republic, that has to be addressed, and it has to be done like yesterday, because the road we're going down is not a good road. Well, I, I, I really like your position in the sense of free speech, First Amendment versus big tech, but the Sherman Antitrust Act could be the solution there. I, d- I did want to go back to – And I, I have been like, – yeah, and I agree with you. There There may be some antitrust – um, you know, there might be some something to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Quick, quick, that's under the Justice we, Department. And, and Kelly, we could go we, we could go back to that, but I do want to give other you know folks as well. We have Pianchi on the line, um, so certainly you know hold you know keep your question. We got plenty of time. 
uh, in the show. Uh, but I do have Pianchioni's got some questions. Well, we could come back to that. You'll never hear me say circle back on Bard's Logic. So. <laughs> anyway, we'll come back to that. Uh, not so <laughs> But anyway, uh, let's go ahead and welcome uh, Pianchi. Thank you very much, Pianchi, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing pretty well. And I'm going to say good evening to Jack. But uh, Good evening, sir. You know, Jack, uh, the gentleman before me was reading about Article 1, Section 4, <clears throat> Clause 1. And I wrote a bill which permits this bill, this, this Constitution, this article permits Congress, makes Congress to alter the regulations on how the, how the, the ballot goes down. They can any time by law do that. And what I'm getting at, there should be a federal ballot and state and local ballot at the same polling place. When that potential voter come in, he turn left or right. He presents his identification for the federal ballot, which has been vetted similar to that of a U.S. passport. There's all sorts of technology that can be used, whether it's facial recognition, the iris of your eye, fingerprints, so on and so on. And once they have proved that they have been vetted and they have the right to cast a federal ballot, then they go ahead. Then that ballot is handled by certain people, people that's been bonded, you have three people, so you have somebody always checking the other one. And at the end of the day, you have an accurate count that has been processed, should I say voted on, by people who have been vetted by the federal government. Now, let the states leave them alone. Let them do what they're going to do because that's what they're going to do. There's no way in the world you're going to get 50 states to walk lockstep. And if the 2020 election is not brought out for what it was, they're going to continue on and on and on because it worked. So let's have that federal ballot that's separate from state and local. Even on your absentee, that voter should have a number that's peculiar to them. It should show up on the envelope and the ballot. And they have the identification approved when they take it to a post office, not a corner drop box, but some place where it can be done appropriately, like a crypto number, for instance. So if I get your email, I can send you a copy of this. I've sent it out to all the senators in Congress. And, you know, let's see what happens. What's your opinion? My opinion is I'd want to look into that a little bit different. You know, here's here's the thing that when every action has another action and sometimes an unintentional action, you know, that can come of it. It's something I would have to dive deeper into. I mean, you know, at face value, it's it seems like common sense, right? But then again, anything you get the federal government involved in is always almost always crap. I mean, they, they could mess up, uh, you know, going around the circle. I mean, they re- they really could. 
So, you know, that's where I lean to the side of caution, but I would like to dive deeper in there. So, you know, maybe it sounds like I'm putting you off, but every action has another action. So I'm just going to be very careful and saying that uh, logically it sounds like it makes sense, but I would want to have to dig through the nuances of exactly what you had to say or, or that what you propose, you know, in, in why hasn't it done before? you know, in, in what systems would have to be built and put in place. Because if you were listening earlier, I said the thing I'm learning most about government, and sir, it sounds like you, you know enough, uh, the government is very clunky. And, you know, some agencies are worse off than others. And, uh, you know, some, some of them, uh, you know, I think they're purposely clunky for a reason because they're dumb like a fox, if you know what I mean. Well, you know, I never seen nothing like 2020 when we had paper ballots. Mm-hmm. The old Chad, come in there, get that, slip that down in there. You're only voting for a president, vice president, senator, and congressperson. Mm-hmm. That's the only people that you voting on that ballot. It's not hooked up to any electronics, no foreign machines, and... uh as I said before, you already have a mechanism to issue U.S. passports to people. It's pretty stringent. You have to be a mm-hmm. U.S. citizen. But the way the 2020 election went on, that's going to happen again because they won with well, it. Well, I, I want to throw some things out, uh, and I like your ideas, a lot of your ideas from previous Barge uh, Logic episodes. Um, the separation of simply congressman, senator, president, boom, and versus states, then the federal government can't touch the state elections. And that's very clear about states' rights, Prince versus U.S., a few other court cases. And so even if they do get H.R. 1 passed, we're going to see states separating out the ballots, so the feds cannot tell the states what to do in their own state. That's very good. Regarding a number attached to a ballot attached to a person, that won't happen because the voting rights are absolutely sacred. In California, you cannot track your ballot. Poll worker will tell you they can, but there's no number on the ballot. You might might have the precinct number, but there is no way to track the individual. And they do this to prevent any type of political retaliation. Washington State in their constitution is absolutely clear that voting is uh, – the privacy of a voter is, is absolute set in stone. Other states have that too. So as much as we like a number, it just it – just, it's a frustrating thing that won't happen. But I do want to mention to our, our uh, candidate that when we talk about election integrity and the vulnerabilities – that's where I get a lot of mileage. I can't – I haven't examined the machines. I have a lot of suspicion periphery things. The Dominion contract here in Siskiyou County, enormous suspicions. I can prove a lot of vulnerabilities. Were the vulnerabilities taken advantage of specifically? Um, So I can show vulnerabilities. I programmed in five computer programming languages. I'm actually an engineer. So I get a lot of miles instead of saying, oh, it was fraudulent. It was was bad. There's a lot of vulnerabilities. The question is, did people take advantage of this? So when I ask poll workers, even the county election clerk, I'd like you to answer these three questions, okay? 
are these elections 100% secure, 100% accurate, and have zero vulnerabilities? Now, if they say that, I'm going to ask them, are you a computer programmer? Well, no. Okay. Um, are you an expert in computer security? No. Does your uh, election clerk office practice computer security protocols? Well, you know, deer in the headlight looks. But then they're going to say, well, the state of California, Secretary of State's office, everything's fine, everything's fine. Okay, so now I'm in a position where if I ask this of a poll worker who asks a poll judge, who asks the, the uh, county election official, who has to trust people in Sacramento, who have to trust Dominion, the EAC, all sorts of people involved. I'm tired of being in a position where I have to trust somebody who trusts somebody else, who trusts somebody else, who trusts somebody else, who trusts another person that we don't even know. We're going to the corporate board and the computer programmers there at Dominion or ESNS and Heart Civic. There are a lot of vulnerabilities, and I, 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 those three questions, 100%, can you tell me it's 100% secure, 100% accurate, and has zero vulnerabilities? They'll say, yes, are you a computer programmer? This really gets to the issue right away and puts the spotlight on them to answer properly instead of point blank accusing them. That's just kind of a tool I wanted to, I wanted to give this, the candidate of how to, how to pitch this to the public. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, no, I appreciate I appreciate that feedback. And I, if I start, if I sound like I'm distracted at times, I'm actually watching something that's happening here in Illinois closely. I'm monitoring. It's uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Rob Cruz who's running for U.S. Congress as well. Rob has actually uh, been very involved with the um, mask mandates and vax mandates and, uh, and, you know, went upon himself to hold Governor Pritzker accountable by suing him on behalf of as a school board member. And uh, I've been, that's where I was earlier today. And I'm trying to confirm if they voted him out for suing the governor for not following wow. the Illinois constitution. So I'm sorry if wow. I sound distracted. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's unreal. What you know, they, so, you know they they were talking about the attorney general of Illinois having to you know uh, spend resources, you know, defending the governor. You know, and I I was in the stadium and I said that's not the role of the attorney general in, in at the state level. At the federal level, it is, but the attorney general is voted in. And so, sorry if I sound this. This is something that I've, I've uh, you know, done rallies with him. You know, uh, I've drawn crowds of over 700 here in Illinois, you know, specifically on trying to protect parent rights, and, and he stuck his neck out, and uh, it may not have worked well for him. So I apologize if I sound distracted. I'm trying to monitor, you know, his uh, what's going on with him. Yeah, we, we multitask here, too, on, uh, on Bart's logic, Jack. <laughs> We did. We told, we're, we're, this is uh, I mean, this is more of an informational uh, show than a, than a lot of other things. We 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 like to get as much information packed into one three-hour show as we possibly can. So the more information we get, what's going on out there uh, to people, the better. Uh, we do have other callers on here. If you'd like to chime in, just push the one on your number dial. Uh, I will I uh, the... get you in the green room, get your name, and then I'll get your uh, you know, and, and get you in. Um, 
Now, one of the things I want to go over real quick, uh, well, don't ask me real quick, it's plenty of time if you have the time, Jack, but uh, now one thing I'll you know, tell our audience, uh, you, as we said in the beginning of the show, you're running against Lauren Underwood, okay? And I'd just like to know what you, know, what you believe is at stake for, you know, you know your constituents and, and frankly, uh, you know, as a you know, congressperson national, you know, what's, what's at stake if she's reelected? Say that, say that one more time. It was a, the uh, audio wasn't so great. What a, something about being elected? Yeah. So uh, you, you know you're running against Lauren Underwood. Yep. And I just want you to tell the audience what you believe is at stake if she's reelected. Well, she. I called her a radical progressive for a reason. This is an AOC, the Squad ally. You know, they're in a sisterhood together. They fundamentally believe that the criminal justice system in America is systemically racist, so it needs to be torn down to nothing and rebuilt, ignoring all the laws that are on, in place. And what they're doing is – and it, this is how dumb they think the, American, the, the average American is. They, they believe that the average American doesn't understand or doesn't have the ability to go on the Internet and learn what the laws in their state are in place. So they'll say, like, let's give an instance here in Illinois, right? In Illinois, we have Kim Fox. Kim Fox, in her first year after she was installed by George Soros, after her first year, she actually turned away 27,000 I said that right, 27,000 felony cases she didn't want to prosecute. Matter of fact, people who have just recently, I know it's a woe, right? People who have just recently committed shootings, okay, shot people, a hundred of them are back out on the street because she's not prosecuting them. Now, did did you hear about what happened in New York? The man, they let off for a stabbing. He gets out, and he stabs someone else. This is what's happening. So what they're doing is is th- these progressives, right, or I'd, I'd say regressives, they're tearing the country down because they hate the Constitution. They want to sow discord into the streets of America. They want to drive out all the good people in big cities out in the suburbs who – you know, let's be honest, many of them have been indoctrinated, and they're driving them out of the city because it's not safe, so then they can continue on with their idea. And this is a war of ideas is what's happening in this country right now, as I said earlier. So moving forward, they're going to continue to start programs, like there's a program in uh, uh, it, it's a neighboring city in to Iowa, I, I I think it's the cane where they have a pro, where they have a after school program for kids that's ran by Satanists. They want to have, uh, yeah, I, I kid you not, I kid you not. It's we called and confirmed it. They want to have where kids don't know they don't have faith because when you remove the faith away, the geo Christian, geo Christian, Christian values out of society. Then what are you going to do? You got you got to have some sort of direction. Well, you replace God with government, much like they did in the USSR. 
Here's an interesting fact for you. In Cuba, the corporations, right? It was the corporations who supported the push for communism because they got on board. That didn't end well for them, you know, in the long run. Yeah, go check that out. That's a fun fact, right? Not so fun. Sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? It does. I got a fact for you, Jack. Go ahead. In Chicago, as of January the 6th, beginning 220 days before that date, back in May, the weekend of the Labor Day weekend, you don't had 3,342 blacks shot by other blacks with 440 murders. No mm-hmm. white police shooting. Well, we don't talk again. about that, do we? 3,342. Mm-hmm. You got children with bulletproof backpacks running zigzag towards schools so they don't get hit by bullets. Matter of fact, one of the women that I was with tonight who's running for the second congressional district is actually started a program to raise money to donate backpacks with a ballistic plate in them. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the lunacy we're dealing with here in Illinois. In Illinois, it, California and New York are models of what's to come. And so many Illinoisans, and I don't blame them, like, you know, I, I get it. They're moving out. 122,000 of them moved out in the last year. They're moving out to get away with away from it, failing to understand it's creeping in to even Florida. I have a, a, a gentleman, a very wealthy gentleman I became friends with. I don't know if you uh, <laughs> noticed on my Twitter, I post up a picture of me with uh, David Harris Jr., a picture with me and my wife with Kaylee McEnany. So he always has these events with all these high-profile political people or, or influencers, and I always get the backstage pass. <laughs> so he moved down to Florida just recently with his wife and children because he had enough. He has a house uh, down there, and he said, you know, it's, it, it's not here yet, but you could see it creeping in here. So he's setting up shop there as well, and he, you know, he has an uh, uh, organization called the Freedom Initiative. And, uh, you know, they're setting up shop down there to help push back against what's happening. So we can't run from this thing. And I would say to you and to your listeners, dig your heels in, get involved, get involved, become a precinct committee man, become a poll watcher, uh, you know, become an election judge. You don't have to be in love with the Republican Party. Many aren't. But we're in love with freedom. And that's what you're fighting for in the Republican Party, the America first candidates, most of them that I know, I, I'm not going to vouch for all of them, but most of them that I know love freedom. They love the Constitution. They love that, you know, our Christian values, and they're, they're there to protect them. So I would say get involved with these candidates. Get involved with local government. You know, uh, you know find out who the Republican chair is in your area and go to a meeting. Go to a meeting and ask some questions. Well, you know, I want to say one other thing, too. Yes, sir. You might want to re- recite this. No matter if it's a tornado or hurricane, pandemic, phantom, war, the United States Constitution has no on-off switch. Yes, sir. Amen to that. 
There is no clause in our Constitution for the pandemic, and the progressives are treating it as such, that it has some sort of off switch, like you said, sir. Well, and they like they like to think that. And one of the things I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, in our conversation, and I mean, I don't know, uh, I don't know how much time you you, you have with us uh, this evening. Uh, Zach, I, I, think, uh, I think we agreed on an hour. I think right. Um, yeah, we didn't quite. Yeah, we we didn't quite say, but yeah, if it's an hour, the, we've got about uh, ten minutes left on that. So I definitely want to get to this uh, this one because you know I, I do like to get people in with what they want to talk about with our panel and callers here. Uh, but something, as I mentioned earlier in the show, that's near and dear to my heart, um, and I really do truly believe our space program is one of the most important, yes, most ignored um, engine for America to maintain its prominence uh, in the world stage. Uh, and I think an important part of uh, that is the Artemis program. And I think the Artemis program is going to, you know, really launch uh, not only us getting back to, you know, to the moon. There's, there's reasons other than exploration. And, and then moving on to Mars for that, I mean, we're talking about that gives it to the fields of, you know, the economy when it comes to, you know, energy, uh, national security. All these things are tied into the, the space program. And in fully funding the Artemis program, I think it's going to be important because we're going to need resources uh, that are on the moon for, you know, our energy independent when it comes to nuclear fusion. Uh, we are going to have to make sure that, you know, we have a presence there because, our adversaries, such as China and Russia, we are in a new space race that, as I said earlier, is pretty much ignored. There's, they don't get a lot of uh, media attention, really, and our politicians are pretty much ignoring it as well. Uh, so as a member of Congress, you get elected your member of Congress, uh, that, as you know, is a body that holds the purse strings. Um, what do you say to, you know, looking into at least, if not pledging, to fully uh, fund the Artemis program, because again, as I stated, I mean, that is going to be the launch point. Yes, I, I meant that pun uh, towards, again, it's for national security, it's for our economy, uh, and also you know, to help us get to energy independence again, not only with, you know, with oil and things of that nature, but eventually uh, get with nuclear fusion, uh, which, you know, is the people on the clean energy side, you know, there's things to be said about that. And then there's uh, abundant energy from nuclear fusion as well. Uh, what's your thoughts on, on that, Jack? You know, honestly, a question like that would be a consultation with the, the most brilliant minds in these, you know, in these fields, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. With search engine optimization and the things I do professionally, I would be considered, a, you know, an expert in, right? So when you don't know much about it, you turn to the experts, and you pick their mind, and, and that's how you, you know, go forward. And, and you just, you, you formulate the right questions, you know, to get you to a place of decision. So considering that I did vow that I would get on the, um, the science, space, and, you know, tech committee, that's, that's, you know, what I would want to go after and get involved with. These are, I do believe that space is important. I do believe that government is clunky and wastes a lot of money, and I do think that, uh, you know, the private sector could do it better. However, uh, I do, you know, do believe that given the nature of it, that, there, you know, a partnership would probably make the best sense for security reasons. 
Now, towards fiscal reasons, I think the partnership makes better sense because, you know, when you're partnered with a company that understands a bottom line and a profit, you know, you're going to get most bang for your buck, period. So I know you're passionate about it. I don't know that much about it, if I'm going to be really honest, but that is something I'm sure will come up. And, and my plan of attack would be, hey, let's bring in the best and the brightest and let's start having conversations with them to help drive us to the to the right answer that fiscally makes the best sense. And then also what's the most secure for America, for Americans? How do we keep America safe? Uh, because as you said, that there, there's national security attached to this. Okay, and, and lastly, um, before you go, two things. One, uh, Joseph wants to uh, the chime in for, you know, the last comment, and then if we have some time, or you have some time, I know we do, uh, for your closing comments, you know, things you want to make sure that, you know, you're able to uh, get out for the, the show tonight. Uh, go ahead, Joseph, and then uh, you guys go over your topic, and then uh, you know, if you've got time for him to do uh, some closing comments that he wants to get out there for us, uh, for the audience. Uh, thank you, Joseph. Uh, thank you, Jack. Go ahead, Joseph. Thank you. I'm sorry I had to walk away. Um, um, I had a, uh, another call on the other line. My apologies. So um, I, this quest, this is more directed towards uh, Bianchi, and I understand his um, skepticism about, you know, future elections. Uh, but, you know, Virginia was the well, blueprint. Real, real Virginia quick, was – real, real quick, mm-hmm. real quick. I, I mean, if, if it's poor Pianchi, um, since he's got more – I presume he's got more time than what Jack does. Do you mind if uh, – because Jack's got to go in like six minutes. Can he do his closing you comments, or was that going to be directed to Jack as well? Uh, no, not directed to Jack. So, um, Jack, uh, you have the floor. No problem. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because he's, he's got to go in about six minutes. I want to get his, his closing comments in. But thank you. And then we'll bring it back to you, Joseph, uh, for Pianchi. Go it. ahead, uh, Jack. Thank you. Yeah, first, thank you, gentlemen, for understanding. I've been up since 5 a.m. I worked on uh, one of my businesses. And then, you know, Restwood campaign, we have, you know, the uh, petition going out to get on the ballot. We, we, you know, that starts tomorrow, getting everyone organized, getting the team together, you know, getting the meet and greets together, staff calls so there's been a lot going on today, so I appreciate you being, you know, understanding. The last time I spent more time with you today, I just, it's, I haven't even ate dinner yet. <laughs> so that, so what I want to say to you, to your listeners again, and I know I sound like I'm, I'm beating a, you know, beating a dead horse here, um, or, or, you know, just keep repeating myself like a broken record. What I would say is it's, it's super important that you get involved. And I, I, I can't stress this enough. Uh, when I got involved, I'm a newcomer, right? I, I built businesses. That's what I did. I've been to the top. I think we talked about last time, you know, uh, 20, at 25 years old, I grossed my first million. At, at 27, I was worth a million. At, uh, you know, 30 years old, 30, almost 31, I was bankrupt. I was homeless with a child and, you know, in, in going through custody court and bankruptcy court at the same time and then built myself back up from there. But that's the American dream. That's the American dream right there that I was able to make that happen with a thousand dollar loan. I was able to build the, you know, the top rated digital marketing company in Chicago. Now this is what we're protecting. Maybe that's not your walk of life. Maybe that's not your choice, but by all means, I'm here protecting your right to choose what you want to do with your life 
And I ask your listeners to get involved with your local Republican Party. Stick to the America First candidate, the one that wants to put Americans first in every policy, and and make sure they get an office. And along with election integrity, I understand that's a sore spot for all of us. However, I will tell you this, and this might not be a popular thing, but I'm telling you the truth from this is my own study. The machines may have had a variable. However, there were so many other ways that it's been discovered uh, that people were cheating, right? So many other ways, and many of those ways have been brought to loss. You know, lawsuits have been brought to it. Uh, there's been, you know, fast action happening to get those people out of office. In Illinois, is you know, Illinois is a secret red state for your listeners. I don't know if they knew that. We just have like one county and a little bit of outskirting counties that pretty much dictate what happens in Illinois. Three major grassroots movements happening here, and people are vocal about it. And you are the deciding factor of where our country goes next. You are. And if you sit on your hands, well, that's you, we both know the outcome of that one. So I, I just encourage all your listeners, get involved with your local Republican Party. Go on Facebook. Find where they're at. They usually have a Facebook page. Look on Google. <clears throat> if you have a hard time there, go to your county website. Put in your county name with Republican after that and go from there. Say you want to come into a meeting. And if you can't get anywhere from there and you just – you know, completely, you know, uh, you, you feel like you got nowhere, find me on social media. I'll try to give you some directive or something you could do that will help our republic. Because believe me, I have volunteers all over the nation that are helping me on social media that are sharing, like commenting, sharing on my Facebook page for my campaign. They're on Twitter, to you know, uh, sharing my content. It, you know, the left isn't controlling everything. If we take action and we put a stop to a lot of this, uh, you know, progressive policy that it's just failing, it's failing. Like this, this crime reform thing is going to fail and people are going to get hurt or worse or killed. Like your one caller said, do black lives not matter? It's, it's mind blowing to me. We had over 800 murders in Chicagoland. I mean, 800, now the violence is starting to pour out into the suburbs where, where it's never been seen before, you know, violent shootings and whatnot. So, you know, it, it has to end. It's all lie. It's there to sow discord into our nation. And if we want to continue to have a free nation and have the American dream, like I described, that I've been able to take, you know, advantage of for my life, we're going to have to get out there and fight. And what I mean by fight is never violence. What I mean by fight is get active, get involved, walk the streets. It, it takes some humility, but go walk the streets. I've done it. Go get petitions signed. Go help a candidate get petitions signed. Share their stuff on social media. Don't engage these people on the left. They're just, you know, they're they're looking for a fight. I would say don't even bother with them. Still put it out there because you might catch the attention of one person and we won one and we're going to continue to win person by person because we're winning the hearts and minds of them to where they understand is the direction of this country in which it's going is not good for our kids. We're not going to leave them the America that we took advantage of, that we loved, that we lived very free in. 
that's not the direction we're going, and we have to guarantee that our next generation has our freedoms, and it's going to take by all your listeners getting up and getting active. There you go. <laughs> that's my final thought. No, it's really great, and I, and I no, I certainly appreciate your time. Uh, looking forward to, um, you know, you coming back on, and uh, good luck with your campaign. And, and folks, uh, and definitely would like to have you on. If, if you could uh, have a link here. Uh, to his website here on uh, Blog Talk Radio on uh, the show. Uh, go to his website. He, you know, again, you have a link here, or you can also go to uh, just LombardiForCongress.com. Uh, if you have a candidate that you know you're pretty confident in your area uh, is already going to win their election, and they don't you know need as much uh, support as let's say someone who's running in Illinois, then uh, certainly look to a volunteer, or maybe even donate to. Uh, Jack campaign, and uh, again, we'll, we're looking forward to seeing updates and and waiting for the election. But uh, you you take care, Jack, and uh, again, we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, you as well, and to your listeners, God bless you. God bless each one of you. We can do this. Don't be discouraged. We can do this. Virginia, if anything, should have gave everyone hope, but it took a team effort. I know the people that were behind it. It took a team effort. So get involved. All right, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, having me on your podcast. God bless you. Good night. You too. Good night. And, uh, yes, folks, that was uh, Jack Lombardi. He's running for the 14th uh, District uh, in Illinois against incumbent Lauren Underwood. Uh, Certainly don't want to have uh, her win. It would be great to see uh, Jack in the halls of Congress. So it would be great to have the citizen patriot uh, in, in office, so you know, it'd be great to see that. But let's go ahead and bring things back to uh, to you, Joseph. Uh, you went to you know, chime in on something that Pianchi was talking about, and then Pianchi, of course, will give you uh, the uh, opportunity to respond. So go ahead, uh, Joseph. Before I do that, um, a couple of things that gave me some food for thought, um, and this is uh, general generalization. Uh, the let's get involved. Uh, notion is very cliche and it's it's not really um, pragmatic in this day of age where families are struggling to hold on to their homes or their apartments um, putting food on the table Uh, what I would say is I wouldn't trust the Republican Party in any state and I think after 2020 of November when the election got rigged I think most um, Conservatives came to that conclusion. Uh, Without giving away strategy, as a campaign, you have to create incentives to recruit your army, to recruit your volunteers, to allow them to fit in their very hectic work schedule day or whether they have to go back home after work to their kids because this is – probably the worst precipice in our history economically. A lot of people don't have the luxury to get involved, especially if they're not getting compensated monetarily. So the solution is you want to get around and coalesce around this candidate that strikes a chord with you, not the party. Heck, I'm even in North Carolina, which is – a red state, I don't even trust the Republican Party in North Carolina. 
I don't trust the Republican Party in Texas. Let me remind you, Donald Trump won that state only by six points. This is Texas. That's how scary it is. So you have to coalesce around a candidate, but it has to be a campaign that creates incentives and also accommodations for a lot of those people who may be working one, two jobs, who are single mothers, single fathers, who must work to be able to put food on the table. They don't have the luxury of time to just go to their Republican Party, which, may I remind you, the Republican Party is not to be trusted. Donald Trump took the Republican Party, and he turned it into the conservative populist movement that it is today. Yes, he had to run as a Republican, but he is not a Republican. He's a conservative populist, and the proof is in the pudding. The formula works. Having a conservative populist in the White House, his policies work. His policies blossomed. So for me, my opinion, coalesce around that candidate. But if that campaign can't accommodate the volunteers they're supposed to recruit, you're not going to be successful. Because then the person has to ask himself, what's more important, my job so I could keep the lights on and the TV and food on the table for my kids or me getting involved? Now, to Bianchi, he has every right to be skeptical of the election process. But I think Virginia was the proof in the pudding to show that if the RNC deploys its full might and resources and power in legal teams, as they did in Virginia, as they did in Seattle, as they did in other states that had the red wave besides Virginia, it's almost impossible for the Dems to rig it. Oh, they tried to rig it in Virginia when it came to Fairfax County. The game changer, unlike November 3rd of 2020, was it was a microscopic lens on top of the whole process. And I've said many times, the Republicans don't want to go out of business. They don't want to become an extinct species. So they're going to do everything within their might to make sure they still stay alive. And had they thrown all their resources behind Trump, I believe that he would have been able to have fought it legally or it would have never got rigged successfully to begin with. And I will defer back to you, Robert. Well, a couple of things. Um, I know it's – and then I'll bring it to you, Pianchi. Is, I mean, it's going to be hard. I mean, you know, I work and there's not anymore because I don't, I don't need to. I, I might this summer depending on what happens. Um, I mean, I, I've worked three jobs before, not full-time. Uh, two of them were part-time, and one of them was, you know, was my full-time job. Now, frankly, to be honest, that was so that my daughter, I could afford my daughter to go to private school. Um, she's now in college, and, you know, I, I might have to work extra hours here and there to, you know, go towards her tuition. Uh, and, yeah, certainly it's not easy. It's a lot of work. Um, and, you know, some people do have to work multiple jobs, and for those, you know, working multiple jobs for the family. I mean, that's, in my opinion, that's you know, patriotism enough. Uh, but there are those who, you know, like myself, I mean, I'm going to try to run for a precinct executive, and I just got to get the forms to get the, you know, the signatures, you know, for people to, to be able to run uh, so I could get on the ballot myself. I'm not going to talk a lot about it, um, but we've had people talking about these things on the show. And, 
So, but but we, I mean, I do agree that we are going to have to get involved, and I think one of the reasons why, I mean, if you can, great. If you can't, I mean, it's understood, and again, that's patriotism enough. But I do think that in part, uh, you know, he is right where we we need to become more activists too because the uh, the, the liberals certainly are, and I think we guess we really should adopt some of their tactics. Uh, but let me go ahead and bring it back uh, to you, Pianchi, because I want you know want to, uh, your response to, to Joseph, and then we will uh, continue on with uh, the remainder of the program. Uh, we do have other callers, so just push the one on your number dial if you'd like to get to the show, and then we can also bring it back to uh, you, Kelly. I know there's some other things you want to bring up. But we we ran out of time. I mean, I didn't know exactly how much time we were going to have. I, I, I believe we may, may have said an hour. Um, I know he was talked about being an hour later into the show, but that's okay. We really appreciate how much time you know the candidates uh, are able to spend with us. So, and, and I'm, I'm pretty confident we'll uh, we'll have Jack on again. Uh, but go ahead, Bianchi. Bianchi. Well, you know my uh, plea, and I'm not the only one that's talking about this. Is is that these? I don't care who the, the candidates are. Or who you, we want to have a free and legal election. And I think that uh, <laughs> that that federal ballot, which the con- which the Constitution allow Congress to do, should be separate, because New York is letting illegals vote, so they've got a ballot. What's keeping them from marking either one of the federal candidates? I mean, states can count illegal. Well, in the census, you can count illegals. And if their state want illegals to vote, well, they have the privilege to do so. But they shouldn't be allowed to vote on a federal ballot. And, uh, I mean, that's just pretty much cut and dry. And the only way that you can make sure that they don't, I think that they have to be separated. You can have the same polling place. That's when you walk in the door and you walk up to the left or to the right, the left per se, is for the federal ballot. You show your identification. Once you've been checked in, you go to the, the booth and with your ballot, slip it in and vote. Not tied to any electronics, no Wi-Fi, no foreign dominion of any type like that machines. When you get done, you put it in the envelope, the sleeve, and hand it back to the attendee. Then she takes it over to three people in a row. First person get it, they tally. Second person, tally. Third person, tally. After about an hour or two, the person that's in charge, check all three tallies. If they don't correspond with one another, well, the ballots are right there on the table. You can check and see who made a mistake. And from there on, you know, it goes through the process of making sure that it's secured. So if you don't do that, we can't be arguing what Arizona is or should want to do, what Wisconsin or Pennsylvania. They're going to do what they want to. And you're just wasting time and effort and resources trying to get them all to come aboard. But uh, that's my opinion. May I continue with Bud? Did you want to 
A- absolutely. Um, I-, I get where you're coming from, Bianchi. You have every reason to feel skeptical. Uh, most Americans have great distrust in our uh, in our elections. However, it does matter. Um, candidate, the state, can make all the world of a difference in changing the 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 course. And if anyone is proof in the pudding of that, is Donald J. Trump. He did it. He did it where the pundits said he couldn't. He changed the the world of politics and the playbook that they've been using for over 200 years in conventional presidential uh, elections, and he did it successfully. So I disagree about the election integrity. Virginia is the proof in the pudding. It's kind of like a blueprint to show where we're going at. And at the end of the day, if you underestimate what the RNC is willing to do to stay in power, um, you know, that, that's not uh, – I, I don't think that would be – you could, but don't, don't underestimate one of the most important political or most powerful political parties in the country, uh, in, in the globe. It's the Republican and Democratic Party, and the Republicans, they're not looking to go out of business. And they realize that if they don't have a red wave, they're going to wind up like the elephant. They're going to wind up, even though the elephant is not an extinct species, it's a metaphor, uh, they're going to become extinct. So they have no choice but to fight to survive. And so far they've shown that they could win in traditionally blue districts that usually they don't win in. Uh, They took a, a very blue state like Virginia, and they flipped it red. And they had success in Seattle and in New Jersey and in New York. So, you know, I think with with their full might and their full resources, uh, the Dems will try to rig it, but they'll be very unsuccessful in doing so. And I always look for indicators. And the red wave that we experienced last year is an indicator, is an indicator that if the formula is kept the same – it's almost impossible for the left to rig it. They'll, they'll still try, but they will not prevail. And well, I think as Americans, um, the moment that we have submitted to the left, see, the left mm-hmm. wants us to believe that ah, the elections are always going to be rigged. Forget it. Don't get involved. Don't fight. Don't bother voting. That's what they want you to think. And you know what? A lot of Americans said, you know what? No, I'm not going to submit to that. I'm going to fight for my country. And as so, they galvanized in Virginia. They galvanized in Seattle. They galvanized in New York. They galvanized in New Jersey. And they said, no, we're not going to admit defeat. It's psychological warfare what the left wants to do. They want you to believe the elections are going to be rigged. So therefore, there's no point in voting. Nothing is going to change. But you had American patriots who said, I will not submit to that, and they fought. And the result, it resulted in a successful red wave. And come this November, it will be a red tsunami. Well, I hear what you say, but, you know, in my lifetime, I've seen many suspicious elections in Democratic parties. I've seen people come who moved out of the districts a long time ago, come back and vote. I've seen the box at that polling place 
supposed to be transported out to St. Louis County. Takes three hours to get out there with the box, where normally it's about a half hour drive. I've seen these things. And I'm telling you, they do happen. You walk by a graveyard the night after the election in some of those areas, all the graves seem like they've been tampered with. People, the dirt is, is disturbed. There's dead people voting. i tell you another thing. Once a year, January 1st, all the voting records should be purged and let them come register again. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Are they, people that don't vote for a period of time, their name are, is purged anyway. You don't know if they're alive or dead. So rather than getting in an argument, let's purge them. So, no, I think that uh, I say that they, if they won before, it is evidence that there was things going on. You had intimidation in some wards. You know, you had a little white man, a little white woman being intimidated by some uh, blacks in wards in uh, Georgia. So you have to prevent that because it'll go on again. You have the argument of saying that people should be able to get or water while in line. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you handed out uh, containers that have a, can- a candidate's face on them, that's polling. Why people in line? That's wrong. But if states in the, want to do that, leave them alone. You can't argue. But the federal election ballot has to have the utmost integrity to it. No illegals. Uh, people are vetted correctly, like you do with a U.S. passport and using other technology. Then they can vote. Then when they get done voting at the ballot, the federal ballot. Go on over to the state and local ballot machines and and have at it. Anyway, that's my opinion. And I completely agree with you, Bianchi. There's been rigging going on for a long time. Completely agree. All I'm saying is this time it's going to be really difficult because the RNC is going to have their full might, their resources, their legal team. It's going to be really hard for it to happen. Has it been going on for decades? Probably longer than that? Absolutely. I'm with you on that. I, I, I know that. Um, a lot of people still deny that it's not even possible of occurring, but all the facts prove that it, it has. But it's, it's just going to be really almost impossible. They tried to rig it when it came to Fairfax County, but they couldn't in the end. So um, going with that uh, optimism uh, for the midterm elections as well. Oh, and we lost Kelly. I guess his girlfriend talked him into calling in a night. I wonder what the, <laughs> it is. Bard's technically Bard's logic after dark, so it makes me wonder what they're going to be doing. <laughs> well, I'm going to get off, but I'm just going to say this: leaving. It's good that those people came out and done that in Virginia, but we still need to have the rules in place because the people that was insurmountable in making that happen may not be alive two years or four years from now. But if you got rules that's in place that anybody should be able to follow and they keep it 100, I think that uh, putting in place something that would safeguard, no matter what the outcome is, no matter who the political party or the candidate, we just want it to be fair and transparent. 
Barb, thanks for letting me come on and contribute to your show. Oh, anytime. Anytime. You're always welcome. Yeah, there was a moment of silence for 20 seconds, so I wasn't saying anything when Kelly's call dropped, so I was wondering, should I say something? That was a, a long <laughs> pause. I'm like, is yeah, anyone going to say well, something? Well, go ahead. It's just you. It's just you and me, kid. <laughs> All right, that's okay. Hey, it's Bard's logic after dark, anyway. So it's all good. No, uh, Bianchi, um, he's awesome. He always brings in uh, a tremendous perspective. I, I like how he sees things, and uh, yeah, it's really great to have him on. And well, Kelly, I, I hope you're enjoying your day. So uh, that is so. But no, um, I, 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 I like the candidate you had on today, Jack, because I like that he, um, he answers the questions, uh, and very specifically, he gives a lot of specifics, he gives a lot of details, uh, he gives a lot of substance, and I like that. So I was very, um, I was very satisfied with uh, how the, uh, how the interview went. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's yeah, you know, good to have him back on the show. It's been um it's been a little while. And then speaking of uh, the shows, uh, we do have uh, next week we have Diana Smith on. She can be talk about what they're trying to do about getting a petition together to actually put on a ballot so that the people can vote, uh, you know, and put it into law to stop these you know vaccine mandates and. Uh, this vaccine discrimination, not only by the government, uh, but also uh, from businesses. Because whether, you know, I think, and, and that's why I say fascism is coming to America, because it's not only the, uh, the government that's trying to force medical rape on people in the form of forced vaccination. It's also corporations that are falling right in line with what uh, the fascist government is trying to do. Exactly. So, I spoke with my friend you know, in Hawaii so we, we, today. We, 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 we. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. You finished. My, my apologies. But they're, but well, they're not going to make it easy. I mean, they're certainly not going to make it easy for us. I mean, this is the second time that the uh, attorney general turned down the petition one was for some kind of legalese. The other one, he turned out a lot of uh, the, you know, a lot of he tur- a lot of them he turned down, you know, said, oh, well, you know, I had to negate, you know, some of the, the signatures or, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. We need to fight back and say, well, okay, well, you, uh, you know, there, you said some of the, the signatures were ineligible. Which ones were ineligible and why were they? But, you know, I mean, th- there was kind of a time crunch, so they may not be able to, you know, do that. But I think that's what we're going to have to do is put their feet to the fire and say, look, if you're going to disregard, you know, some of these signatures, on, you know, on what grounds are you, are you disregarding in, you know, these particular signatures? And it just seems like they're just trying to make it so hard, you know, for the people to be able to do things on their own. So that we have to rely on representatives that we really can't, you know, have faith in. You know, you think that, you know, and, and I'll give you that, uh, Joseph. Just because these people have an R by their name doesn't mean that, you know, 
and even Talpins themselves and say things that you know sound like it makes them conservative doesn't make it you know doesn't make it so. Correct, correct, and and as I was mentioning before, um, people want to fight, but uh, it, it's up to the campaign to be able to create ways to accommodate people who want to fight. Whether, you know, whether it's providing them food, if if, if they're going to come in at dinner time or things of that nature. Um, and I'm not talking about a bag of chips and a little bottle of Dasani. But, I mean, you know, and a lot of people want to fight, but they just, they need a campaign that's going to be able to incentivize them and, and, and accommodate them to where whatever little spare time they have left, they're not deciding, well, geez, I, I, I'd love to fight. I'd love to join the movement, but my, my stomach is hungry. And after I eat dinner, maybe I have two more hours left before I go to sleep and I get up to work the next morning. So no, really, no. It's, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, pretty much. Oh, no, that, I mean, that's me. <laughs> you, just, you just described myself, um, you know. <laughs> Correct, and I, I think that's what made uh, J- President Trump's movement so great. Even back in 2016, his campaign uh, all across the country offered a lot of uh, incentives and ways to uh, accommodate, um, you know, people who wanted to join the movement uh, to make America great again. And I think that it's going to be up to each individual candidate to do that because each candidate, you're responsible for creating your movement. You're responsible for recruiting volunteers. That's on you. That's not on the party. That's on the individual candidate running themselves. And so they have to do that. And uh, I was talking to my friend in Hawaii, and due to the Omicron surge, and they claim that the numbers are going up in Hawaii, which we all know is baloney, they're shutting everything down again in two weeks the clubs, the bars, and I'm thinking to myself, they are going to destroy the economy to the point where it'll never recover. The liberals don't want this to end. You mean to tell me that a state with 1.4 million people, you claiming that the numbers are surging throughout the roof with Omicron, but states like Texas and Florida that in in comparison, have double, triple the population. They're not getting any surges. It seems to be if you're in a blue city, Omicron is killing you. And if it's not Omicron, it's Delta. What's going to be next? Southwest? American Airlines? Seriously? But miraculously, in red states, geez, the numbers are not going up. I wonder why, Robert. Hmm. Could that be maybe because that's all they have to cling on? They can't talk about substance because their platform is a failure. They can't talk about the successes of the Biden-Kamala regime because they're a complete failure. So the only thing that they can cling on to is their executive emergency powers, and it's to lock everything down. Robert, if it was up to them, if they controlled all 50 states, we'd all be with one of those anklet bracelets on our feet, uh, close to our ankle like you're on house arrest. And I'm like, seriously, lock it down, sure. Just destroy your economy to the point where we'll never recover. 
So I just wanted to bring that up because my friend was pretty distraught because he works in the service industry at a nightclub, and in two weeks, they're doing it all over again. They're going to shut everything down. They didn't learn anything last time, did they? They didn't learn anything, did they? They did not. They did not. So, you know, that's that's why when I turn on the news, I cringe. What's going to be the next variant? What's the next excuse? Oh, yeah, I don't even you watch know, the, that, that kind of news anymore. Exactly. Uh, I, I don't want to watch it, but I watch it because I want to know what's going on. But I cringe when I watch it because it's like you do everything that's asked of you. Wear the masks, six feet distancing, get two shots, get the booster. It's never going to be enough. That's what I tell people. No, they never no, want it to end. They're always going to come up with something. And if you think that by following the rules and playing fair is going to get you anywhere, good luck. Not with, not with these liberals. Not with these radical, socialist, communist liberals. I call them for what they are because they are espousing socialism. They are espousing communism. But they're the biggest hypocrites because if they love it so much uh, – Aren't you living in one of those countries that actually where that exists? It's the hypocrisy of the left. Well, yeah, and, that, you? You know, and, and again, not only the, the hypocrisy, they also, are, you know, they project. So, you know, they, they try to make it like what, you know, what they're doing, and they try to project it on the other side. And, you know, like – Trying to say like there's a this guy on Twitter like oh you you Republicans are fascists <laughs> like really you tell me what the Republicans are doing that are fascists and and like the Nazis then they try to do that to George W Bush they try to do that to to Trump and it's actually them who are being you know more like the Nazis uh, you know oh you got to have their vaccination passport you know and you know oh well you know you you, you try to you know, not say, but the censor, you know, information that doesn't uh, adhere to your narrative. I mean, that's what the that's what the Nazis did, you know, not the Republicans. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. The Nazis, they hated the Jews, right? Certainly. Okay. The left has turned their back on Israel. So just like Germany turned its back on uh, German Jews. And they have the nerve to call us that we are the fascists. Oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. When Trump was in office, Israel was one of our greatest allies. The liberals, they detest uh, the Israelites and the Jews, and they've lost the Jew vote. You could thank that to the squad. You could thank, give thanks to AOC on that and, 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 and the squad on that. Um, and they've lost a, a very key crucial voting block that is now solid red. So, and we're the fascists, really? So you're the party of complete control. You're the party of you can't have any differing views. You can't think for yourself. All the, all, all the news medias are all in cahoots together. So it's kind of like having your own state-run media system. I mean, are you kidding me? Everything that they're doing with their actions is what what a fascist government would do or regime or is what a communist regime would do or what they're currently doing in countries like China 
in Cuba and Venezuela, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So who are the real fascists? That's kind of a, a loose term that they like to throw around. But in reality, actions speak louder than words, and their actions, uh, they're coming out. They're not even trying to hide it anymore, Robert. They're flat out saying socialism should come to America. They're, not, they're, they're clearly saying it verbatim. Oh, I know. Um, that's that's exactly that's that's exactly what uh, what they are, and that's and that's okay. You know, they're they're so they're they're so brainwashed, and and, and the, the bad thing is it's it's the young ones who, you know, you, you, it makes you know gives you the most concern uh, because unfortunately, I mean that's the future of the United States. So when you get people who hate the country. You know, when you have the young people who who are been brought to hate the country, that doesn't bode well, uh, you know, for the future of the nation. And, and that's something that exactly. I think our education system is doing as well. Which, yeah, I mean, hopefully the next time we talk to the jock, I mean, but you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do. But again, that's more state. So yeah, maybe we'll try to get some more state people. But I mean, since this is a national show, it's kind of hard to do that. It's like the Occupy Wall Street movement during the Obama regime. Jesse Waters from Fox would actually ask him, why are you here? Why are you opposed to Wall Street? Not one of them could give a coherent, logical answer. And that's exactly what you, what, what you were alluding to, Robert. If you were to ask him, could you give me a couple of specific examples as to why you hate supporters of Trump or why you hate supporters of our republic or why do you hate the Republican Party? None of them can give you an articulate, logical response. All they can give you is boiling points because the Republican Party and the conservatives are white supremacists who are xenophobic, homophobic, uh, and Donald Trump was a Hitler-like president. Okay, but those are boiling points. Can you give me a specific example on how President Trump was Hitler-like. Can you give me a specific example of how you see white supremacy being a force of the Republican Party? They can't. They don't even know why they hate. They've been so brainwashed. If you were to ask them, can you give me a logical explanation of why you hate this party or this stance? They can't even give you one. That's how brainwashed they are. They've just been programmed to... Same talking points, like Black Lives Matters. If you're white or you're any other color except for black, uh, you're an enemy, you're a fascist, you're a dictator, you're a Hitler, you're a white supremacist, you're a seditionist, you're a traitor to the country, etc., etc. Once again, Robert, the American people, more than half of the country, do not buy into that notion. And that is going to be the part of the country that we're going to need to have a successful midterm, to have that red wave, and to reelect Donald Trump in 2024. We're definitely going to need that. What say you? I'm sorry. It's uh, actually going back and forth with this stupid liberal. Uh, so I apologize. I should stop doing that. Just a waste of time. You really can't talk to these. Uh, you really can't talk to these people. Um, it's about 20 well, – well, I hope there's a red wave. There needs to be a red wave, but not just a red wave of Republicans. 
We need red, a, a red wave of Republicans like, you know, the people we had on tonight, Jack Lombardi. Um, you know, I, I like some of what, you know, you know, what our guest said uh, last week, uh, which he had some, you know, a, you know more vision. At least, uh, you know, Jack tonight said, look, I'd want to confer with the experts when it comes to, you know, this space program and its importance where, you know, you know, last week's guest, you know, again, I like some things he had to say. But when he tried to say, oh, well, I'm not in the business of picking winners and losers by, you know, saying that they, they would uh, fund the Artemis program, well, and I think that is, frankly, I think it's a lack of vision uh, to see how important it is, especially, if, you know, when they look at, you know, uh, how the space program, starting with, you know, Artemis, the Artemis program, and how important it is. I mean, you're talking about going to the moon. You're talking about making an industry there, collecting a, uh, a resource, helium-3, so that we could build nuclear fusion, where you want to talk about, you know, being energy independent, you know, uh, you know, it, it, you know I know there was, we, got, we were in energy independent with fossil fuels and things of that nature, and I think we should use that. But in the meantime, uh, well, I mean, you've got nuclear fusion that could be out there. That's a lot, you know, can, can say, frankly, give a lot more power. And I'm no expert in nuclear fusion or any type of energy, but I just know that, you know, it's a lot more power you could get generated from nuclear fusion than even fossil fuels. And then also, you know, it's important to have a, have a presence on the moon because our, our adversaries, you know, again, Russia, China, they're, they're going to the moon for reasons. I mean, you just heard, you know, the other day how China has a probe on, on the moon stating how it has a, you know, they, they may have found water, you know, some water on the moon. And so our adversaries are doing it. So we need to make sure that we have a presence in space. And you're just not hearing that. The media is not – even conservative media talking about how important the space program is. And I frankly think that's our folly because you have China weaponizing space. You know, um, they don't talk much about, you know, the Space Force. Maybe it's strategic. But I think, you know, if the media got more involved and, and said how much of a positive, you know, the, you know, the space program and how important it is to fund the Artemis program – Again, look at all the technology that can be garnered from it, but but there isn't. I, I, it definitely needs to be more out there. It's not picking winners and losers. I mean, I mean, it's again, it's the economy. Uh, it's for, you know from technology that can be that can come from it. It's energy, energy independence from the energy independence we could get from nuclear fusion. It's national security, you know, because of the weaponization, you know, of space. And, you know, space is the uh, right now the final frontier, Star Trek says. And just remember, you know, when you had Persia, when they could control the land, and they were the and, and then, you, you know, Greece or Macedonia from Alexander the Great, when you could control the land and then the trade routes by land, you know, you're the preeminent power of the world. Well, then once you were able to control the seas like England was able to do, and control the trade routes and, the, and control the seas. Well, England became the preeminent power of the world. When the United States conquered the air, you know, with our, with our air force, and then we, we were sea and air, but it was our air force that really brought us to preeminent power, the next, you know, the next place is space. And whoever's going to be the preeminent power in space is going to be the next world's hegemon. And we need to decide, you know, if we're not going to go to globalism, there is, going to be a, a, there is going to be a global hegemon, and who's that going to be? Is that going to be us, 
or is that going to be Russia or is that going to be China? And space is where that's going to happen. Correct. And I did not know that last week's guest said um, he couldn't answer because he doesn't want to pick winners and losers. Because here's the thing. You want to earn the trust of your constituents. You want to get donors. That answer is not going to fly. And if you can't answer the tough questions on a podcast or on a cable uh, news show, how are you going to handle the rigors of the campaign trail? And at the end of the day, I believe that if you have a platform that proposes the elimination of certain programs, you probably should know your facts before you go on a show. And this, is, this applies to any candidate running before doing that. Now, if it's a topic that arises um, and you don't know about it, hey, there's never a shame in saying, I'm not 100% sure. I don't want to give the wrong information. I can get back to you on that. But if you're actually proposing certain programs that you want to eliminate, but you don't have the specifics on it, uh, you probably you need to do your homework before you go on these shows. Um, you need to be able to prove to your constituency that you are a viable candidate, that you are waging a viable campaign, and you're doing your homework and you know what you're talking about. That is super, super important. And unfortunately, those are qualities that most people running for office today lack, unfortunately. And then I'll let that sit with the people listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that silence again. Sorry about that. No, no. That's but yeah, good. That's, that's, that's my good. thought. Um, what do you think? And again, I'm, I'm just, you know, you know, and, and we, and it's better, and I'll tell you what, and I was actually talking to, the, you know, our guest who's going to be on, um, our guest that's going to be on uh, the 26th, and, you know, we were, you know, we were talking at length, um, and, you know, because he, he's actually like, you know, oh, yeah, be on Facebook and this and that, which he made some great points, and I generally, uh, you know, went off uh, Facebook because, you know, you, you can't. Um, you know, you you can't talk to the people. You can't reason with these people. Um, you know, you, you just can't. They're just so. They're, unfortunately, they're too far gone. So I spend a lot of time on Facebook, and actually, I'm just going to block this guy, really, um, because again, it's a waste of time. You can't really talk to them. They're they're unfortunately they're they are they're they're just too far gone. Um, there's really there, there's really no debate. Uh, because they won't listen to you. They they spent too much time in front of CN, you know CNN and and MSNBC that there's really no getting to them. I mean, what what we really need to do, and I've actually said this for a while, is we need to focus on you know talking to the independents, the people who, you know, you know aren't on the left. Because I mean, there's really no way for us to reach them, and it's, uh, and, and until their lives are starting to get affected by what the left's trying to do, then it's 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 really not going to sway over. I mean, I think a, a good example is um, is it Leo Terrell? I think he's uh, the black gentleman they call Leo 2.0 on uh, Sean Hannity. I mean, he was a big liberal until you know those BLM riots, and then those BLM riots came out. And he's like, wait a minute, you know, Black Lives Matter. Why aren't you talking about you know black on black you know killing each other? 
you're, you're not talking about that. You, you don't even address that. But, you know, and so he, he made a huge turnaround, but that's because he, he, he's seen their hypocrisy. And I'm hoping that these vaccine mandates, you know, even for people who are vaccinated, say, look, wait a minute, you, you know, this is, this is, you know, this is like rape. Because, I mean, seriously, as I said earlier, you are forcing someone, you know, you're, I mean, you're actually, your body is being violated by an injection, you know, that is without your consent to have these, these cells and chemicals put inside your body. I mean, that, that's a violent act. If you think about it, that's a violent act. That's why I, I call just it like, medical rape. Just like the Nazis performed radical experiments on the Jewish population, and we're the fascists, right? You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Right. And, with that, and without their consent. No, I mean, I, you know, if, if people want to, you know, experiment on, you know, human genomes and the human gene and things of that nature, you know, let that be, if people volunteer for that, I've got no problem. If you're an adult and, you know, you're not coerced and you decide that you want to, uh, you know, be a part of, you know, some type of medical, you know, experiment, but you got to, you know, consent to that. I don't have a problem with that. It's when I think they're trying to experiment on us without our consent by fooling people that they should take this vaccination or if they refuse to take it, then uh, by forcing them to do it or threaten their, empl- or threaten their employment or say you got to get tested every week. Um, and then, you know, that's the thing. Personally, I think, you know, one of the reasons we're running out of these tests is because they want to try to force people saying, look, well, if you don't get vaccinated, then you've got to get tested. You get tested every week. Well, if there's not enough tests, how can you pass a COVID test to be able to go to work? Oh, great. Now I can't go to work because I couldn't get tested because there's not enough tests. Uh-oh. Now the only way for me to go to work is to, you know, is to get vaccinated because uh, my other option besides vaccination is getting tested, but I can't get tested because there's not enough of them. So it makes me wonder Correct. whether they're holding back, you know, creating these tests for that reason. You ever hear the saying, if a product is so great, it sells itself? Yeah. Okay, so if the vaccine has a phenomenal success rate, would it make sense to have to impose it or mandate it? Wouldn't the free market just dictate its success? When most people say, well, it works, and there's not these adverse side effects, and it's my choice. So if it's so great, and it's, it's being hyperbolized as, oh, it's going to make sure that other people don't get infected or you get infected, then can you explain, progressives, why do you need to force it? Why do you need to go out of the way to make it mandatory to the point where if you don't follow or toe the line, you, you lose your job or military members uh, would have to be discharged? Right, because none of their mumbo-jumbo makes any logical sense. If it worked, if it didn't have adverse side effects, you wouldn't need to mandate it. You wouldn't need to impose it. And that's the problem. The more they try to mandate, the more human nature, the more you try to reject it, the more you try to rebel. And it's like you would think these politicians would have enough of, of an IQ to realize that the more you mandate it, the more people are going to oppose it the more people are going to rebel. 
Seriously, sometimes I think a five-year-old has more intellect and IQ and common sense than our elected officials. Am I right? Or wrong? Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 but, and I agree. I mean, yeah, they, by them trying to force it on people, you know, well, what it was is they tried to convince us how great it was. They did try to convince us, but people resisted. And now the people are like, uh, no, now they're forcing it. And so now what the, all they did is galvanize. They really did do that. They really just galvanized people's resistance against it. No, no, no one – and I agree with Sean Hannity. With, again, he's saying this is the most important election of our lifetime. When he went about the midterm elections, you know, you know, love the guy or like the guy, you know, at least. But, you know, but he says that every election cycle, this is the most important election of our lifetime. Um, now, this midterm election is very important because, I mean, we can't uh, we can't allow the Democrats to, to keep running roughshod, you know, over over the nation. Because let's be honest, especially in the Senate, because, you know what, there's uh, there's only so long, I think, that cinema and. Uh, and uh, oh shoot, I'm having a brain freeze. I got his mansion. Mansion, yeah. I think there's only so long these two are going to be able to hold out, <laughs> you know. But you know, so and then they're going to try to make workarounds. Yeah, and I and, and I don't. I, I'm hoping the Supreme Court proves to be trustful and and, and sides with you know takes the side of liberty. Absolutely. Um, you're not going to believe this. I just heard this from the news right now. Family of four-year-old leukemia patient Ronald McDonald House is evicting them for not getting the COVID vaccine. That's just on the English. Oh my God! I right think I, yeah, actually, I think I saw that. I think I saw that on Facebook. Yeah, that is awful. That is sickening, and that is scary. That is sickening. That is a wake-up call. I mean, that that that's taken it way too far. Come on. This, this, they're running this place like we're in a communist socialist regime. This, this is ridiculous. Right. I mean, they, well, they, that they're is ridiculous. so cruel and malicious. It is, and it, it's well, cruelty. And, and that's why, that's why we got to act. I mean, we literally. I know, you know. Again, you know, back to Sean. But you know, I mean, the thing is, is we we need to do what the left does. We need to boycott McDonald's and say, look, we're not going to give them. We're not going to eat McDonald's. We're not going to, uh, you know. You know, we're, we're not going to give to your foundations because if this is how you're going to act with your so-called charitable, you know, organizations, you know, we, we don't want no part of you. you know, I mean, why are you politicizing it? It's ridiculous. It is. Uh, and it just shows you that they have no shame, that they are ruling with tyranny, and they're cruel. They're sinister. It, it's just very sickening. It really is. They're taking it too far. And like I said – that's why this year's midterm elections will determine the fate of this country. I love Sean Hannity. He's one of my favorites, but it's so cliche. He does it every four years, every two he years. He does. This is the most important. It's like his catchphrase, so it's kind of hard to know when, he's, when it's really serious or not because it seems that every election is the most important election of our lifetime. Right. But I am a big but Sean yeah, Hannity this, fan. Yeah, this one has dire consequences. It really does. I, I agree. Yeah, th- now, this may very well be one of the most important uh, midterm elections of our lifetime. That that might uh, actually be uh, that might actually be true. <laughs> I believe it this time. I believe that the fate of our republic lies in 2022 and 2024. I truly believe with everything that's transpired 
since COVID came knocking on our doors. Sadly, in two months, it's going to make it two years. Um, this Sean Hannity, don't hate us for that, but 2022 and 2024 are going to determine the fate of our republic. These are going I, to be the most important elections of our lifetime. And like I always tell people and out I, there, elections have consequences. And I do see that we only got about six minutes left, so I want uh, both of us to be able to get our closing comments in and then get the uh, the, the my the ending song to kind of bring it down after an exciting show. Uh, so got a couple minutes there for closing comments. Uh, Joseph, go ahead, and then I'll uh, get mine, and then we'll, we'll close up for this evening, and we'll see you next week. Uh, with our guest, uh, Diana Smith, uh, talking about how we could try, as we the people, uh, as voters, as citizens, uh, take uh, our vaccination uh, uh, status in our own hands and hopefully make it law where not only can the government, but businesses cannot force people to get vaccinations or uh, discriminate against the people who don't. Uh, But go ahead. You got it. I'm actually going to give you the floor because uh, luckily – we were able to um, we were able to talk a lot more than usual because uh, we could thank Kelly's date for that. So, uh, Miss, if you're out there, uh, Bard's Logic thanks you for that. No, no, I'm just kidding. I only meant that because I think this is the first time in a long time where it's just you and I just uh, you know talking on the show and chiming in at, at at the last hour. Usually, we always have Kelly at the last hour as well. So, Robert, I'll give you the floor uh, and. God bless you, and I look forward to being back on next week. And Kelly, if you're hearing me, I hope you have an awesome date. God bless you too, Kelly, Bianchi, and every one of our listeners. Take care. Thank you very much, Joseph. Yeah, I said I, I texted and said, give her a kiss for me, LOL. But, uh, yeah, so looking forward to the next week, and then after that we'll have um, Michael Johns on. Uh, so looking forward to that. We're working on uh, getting folks uh, for February, lined up for February. Still waiting to hear from the guy for – uh, Renacy. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get Renacy on. I don't know why, um, but you know, be that as it may. But you know, we'll be working to get some other uh, uh, other folks on uh, the show as well. Um, we put some more uh, feelers uh, out, you know, out there. You know, get other people uh, into the show. Um, so looking forward to that. And yeah, so we, I mean, in closing with tonight, we do need, uh, you know, like we did last week. Now we'll say that, you know, uh, Mark. Uh, Paquita was, you know, definitely a citizen candidate. You know, certainly we do need those. Uh, I'd just like to see him have a little more vision of what, you know, what they definitely wouldn't vote for me in the primary with the other options because it is in Ohio, and I will have to make that choice. Uh, so, I mean, it still may. It still may have my vote. I don't, you know, I'll have to see what the other candidates. And I, I do want to have those other candidates on the show and we're working on uh, them too. Um and so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but we definitely need citizen candidates such as Jack here. Uh, now I don't think he's going to be in the primary. I think he's going straight to the general. So I think there'll be plenty of time to get him, you know, back on before that. And, you know, we're, we're certainly looking forward to it. But anyway, I do see it is about time to close out the show for tonight. And that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. If you guys, uh, lovely to the uh, past 10 years, have uh, heard uh, – <laughs> For music, and speaking of ten years, I'm going to try to reach out, and I've already reached to a couple uh, people who, you know, been on the show as either panelists or you know just regular callers, and see about them uh, coming for our ten year reunion, uh, which I believe is going to be sometime in June. Uh, so looking forward to that and to have everybody on. So, but we'll but until then, uh, we'll see you next week. 
and uh, we'll move on with uh, the topics uh, of the day and have our candidates. So take care and good night. Good night.